Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and this is... Guess what is this? Our Halloween show? Yeah, it is indeed. Yep. It's, 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 it's spooktacular. So, spooktacular show Halloween show. Yeah. Uh, folks, we're going to talk about some stuff here, but first we got to tell you about a couple things uh, we got going on. We are back to doing Tuesdays, Thursdays. Uh, sorry that we missed a few episodes or whatever. We've been having problems with some other people in, in the YouTube world. And uh, we're getting back on track. If you are listening to us uh, on a podcast and you've never heard the YouTube live stream, um, most of the, the problem has been happening on YouTube with other with some other YouTubers. There's, there's four other channels. There's, I think, what, eight of us? How many is this? Oh, there's eight of us against five channels. Yeah, I and, so. and, I, and I say against it, it's, it's it's really what it is. I mean, and I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on. They are frauds. They are committing fraud. They are literally using fake subs, and they are actually using AI-generated stories. I know they are. And if, if you've heard this before, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. If you haven't, well, I'm telling you now. And so we kind of walked away from the show for – it was we, we cut that way down – and then we decided to go to ramp it back up because all that's going to do is make them just get more emboldened and just keep terrorizing everybody. We can't have that. So we as a group have decided that we're going to just keep marching forward and we're not going to let this stop us and we're going to do what we do. And that's talk about the paranormal and uh, cryptids and alien abduction. That's our thing. That's what we do. What we do best. I mean, Yeah. And so we're going to do that right now. So, anyways, the Patreon, there's different tiers. There's a $10 tier, a $20 tier, $30 tier, $40 tier, $50 tier. If the $40 tier, you get one of my books autographed and someone else's books. And then the $50 tier, you get both of my books and someone else's book. And then you get merchandise. You get all kinds of stuff. Swag bags. That's what we call them. So, sign up for that. It's a great way to support the show and help us out. It really helps us out. Patreon is a, is a big uh, deal for us. It helps keep the show going. Uh, that and the 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 chat we give you know, people uh, give super chats uh, in the live stream. So, anyways, we we have people that are targeting our channel, trying to mess with us, trying to take us down, trying to defeat us, trying to run us down, and they're mad because we expose them. I tell everybody, I'm gonna tell you right now, go to Social Blade and look up our numbers, look up their numbers. You'll see the difference. If you don't know what's going on, go to my Facebook, go to Paranormal Roundtable group, and you'll see. On Facebook, you'll see what's happening and just, and they are mass reporting uh, my channel or our channel, I guess, uh, Hellbent Holler and uh, the Tina Monsters channel, Crypto Normal Encounters, and uh, a few other of our friends, Blondes and Booze, that we, that we support, uh, BMR, we support, and uh, Barton Nunley with Humanoids, and they're messing with all of us, and Barton has been doing what he has to do to try to step up and do, you know, we're all trying to stop these people. And then Abe, you know, Abe Sias and his channel. Uh, we're not going to take up a lot of time talking about it, but I felt like it needs to be said because these people are ridiculous. They don't want to stop. They don't want to leave us alone. So you can make your voice heard. You can go and say something because they're telling their listeners, they are openly telling their listeners to report our videos, to suppress our channels. And it's wrong on so many levels. And I only got involved in this because they attacked Patina and Abe. And now I'm embroiled in this whole conflict that they bring to us. We don't want that. We want to be able to just do what we do and be left alone. And, folks, that's all we want to do. We don't want to fight with these people, but they don't want to stop. So if you're just listening to us on the podcast, now you know what's going on and why it's been hit or miss whether we produce a video. And, Anthony, you want to explain why we, we, we didn't want to just 
keep doing stuff, you know? Initially, we decided to take a step back from the show. For a time, we had settled on just packing it in, just kind of putting the show on an indefinite hiatus uh, because we care about the content we produce and and we felt like the quality of that content was starting to become compromised with the stress of, of all this stuff going on. And if you give us your time, we want to give you something back for that time to show how much we appreciate it because there are no refunds on time. You can Once you give it, you can never get it back. So you, so you don't ever want to waste it. And we want to make sure that if you're here with us, that you're not wasting your time. So when we put our name on, on a show, we want to make sure that it's great. We want to make sure that, that, that's, that it's like nothing else out there. And we felt like we weren't able to do that. So we took a step back and uh, just, just kind of had to analyze things and get back on our feet. And now here we are. We're right back at it. We're going to get into the reason why y'all are all here because y'all love hearing really weird, crazy stories about supernatural and paranormal and cryptid. I mean, it's all, it's all the same. Yeah. So that being said, we're, we have a guest tonight. Uh, we're here. I'm here all the time. I'm not a oh, guest. Yeah, whatever. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, not me. Not the one and only Mushu. You must well, we be have talking. a special guest. The Mushu is special. You're a special goof. We're not, you're not the guest. Oh man. Uh, the other thing too, folks, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you send me a friend request right now, I'm sorry I can't approve it because we're these people that are what they're doing, they're cloning accounts and they're they're making fake accounts. So there's all these fake profiles on YouTube and Facebook and their numbers are fake on their shows too. So I mean it's it's this is insane, folks. So we can't approve anything right now, and that's a shame. But and, and we can't do the mail offs right now either. That's a shame. We will do it for the Patreon because I know that if you're doing the Patreon, you're not some fake person that's going to cause problems for us. But we were instructed to not do that for a while until this, you know stuff ends, if it ever ends. But I'm going to tell you this, folks. We're going to do a show tonight and we're going to do what we got to do. And I th thought I'd do something a little differently for Halloween. You know what I mean? We, we're going to do a show and we're going to talk about stories from not just from here in the United States, but from around the world. Because I've been getting a lot of reports from different places, and some of the places have cryptid stories, but uh, th these were in particular are pretty creepy. I, I try to save some of the creepiest ones, and I got to say, some of these ones from around the world, different places in the world are pretty darn creepy. And I went over them with, with our, our guest, and then Anthony and Tony, and we're going to talk about them right now. So I'm going to start off, uh, let's start us off here. You want to say hi, Chris? Hi, everybody. This is Chris. I am... Um Sir Cluffy Cluffy Tin on YouTube. I am from South Texas, and I'm a guest here, and just you came down to visit, right? Yeah, I came down. To, well, came up to visit. Came up to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Came up to visit us, and we're like, "Hey, you're going to be on the show," and he's like, "Okay." Yeah. I don't know how good I'll do. Probably not we, very we, good. But anyway, yeah, we're going to we go. We just went out to eat. Uh, we just had a time. <laughs> yeah, pretty full. Cool. Uh, it was really good. Chris eating. and his wife. I, yeah. I hope so, you guys. So we liked took it. a break from from being attacked, and we decided to go and have some fun. So what we did actually, we went out and we went to explore an area. Where there have been Bigfoot and, uh, well, two Bigfoot and a Dogman uh, sighting. So we went out there to that area and it was pretty, pretty creepy. <laughs> uh, heard a weird noise, um, but we didn't, you know, we did a little boots on the ground because, you know, they like to throw that term around. But uh, anyways, folks, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the first story is going to be at Oaxaca, Mexico. Oaxaca is literally, I'm not going to give you a whole history lesson here, but it was a hub of the Aztecs, the Mixtecs, the Zapotecs, and the Mayans. And it is a very uh, 
it's a nice place. A lot of people like it. There's a lot of different flowers and all kinds of different. They're known for all these different things. It it, it is very. Um, it's known for a, a, a lot of indigenous people. There's a lot of indigenous people there that are still there. I'd say probably most people there are more indigenous rather than mestizo or Spanish. And Oaxaca is one of those places where, like, it's fun to visit, but if you had to live there and you had to live with something really, really, really creepy and supernatural, I don't think you'd want to be there. This story goes way back. Uh, this guy, this happened in 1976, and this guy said that this happened to him when he was walking home one day, and um, he was with his friend, and he was riding his bike, and it, it happened to a guy. Uh, it was two. There were two guys that it happened to Pedro and Miguel. And Miguel was the one walking his bike, and he had a flat tire. Oh no, his friend had a flat tire, so he was walking his bike. So he decided to get off his bike and walk walk with him. Well. That's what friends do, right? You're going to walk with your friend. You're going to be nice and you're going to walk with them. Here's what ended up happening. They come across what they thought was an old woman on the side of the road and she was waving at them and it was getting dark. It was almost dark and they were only about, about two miles from Oaxaca, Oaxaca and they decided to stop and help her because she looked like she had dropped a bunch of stuff. She was carrying a basket. He said it was very innocuous. We just thought she was an old lady that needed help. And so he's like, he's like, we should help her. And his friend, his friend, turns out his friend's not a very nice person because his friend didn't want to stop and help. He didn't want to, he said, he, and, and, but his friend had a reason. And this is what he told me. He said, and I talked to him. I didn't talk to his friend. And he said, my, his friend told him, no, don't stop and help her. He's like, that's a demon, a diablo. And he's like, how, how, how is that a demon? He goes, watch. When we get up closer, take a look at her eyes. She's asking for help. She's like asking for help. She was crying, you know. And his friend, who was a little bit older than him, it was actually his brother's best friend, and his brother had passed away uh, very sadly in a car wreck. And so he became friends with this guy who was a little bit older than him, so he kind of looked up to him, respected him. And they were riding their bikes and they were doing a job. They were working at a construction place helping build a house. And so when, when they were walking along with the bike and his friend got the flat tire, he said, but he's like, oh, my friend was not a nice guy. I thought this guy's not a nice guy. Why is he not going to help this old lady? And so he says, don't help her. No, don't. He goes, keep walking. I've seen her before. He gets up close. And once he gets up closer and he can see her, he, he sees what he's talking about. He's like, the ojo, the eye, right? When he gets up close, he notices that her eyes are yellow with like red streaks in them. And he was like, dude, like the, the inside of the eye, you know, where, where your pupils and your iris and all that, it was, it was yellow and it was red on the inside of the eye. And when he said, when she went to talk to him, and this is a really weird thing. He said, his friend told him, his friend said, watch, watch her mouth, you know, the lingua. When she talked, he said her tongue came out like almost like a cow's tongue, like real, like, like it came out real far, like all the way down her chest. And then it popped back into her mouth. But he said it was forked like a, like a serpent, like a, like a snake. And he said that, that she was like asking him to help. And she had her like a shawl around her and she, she had, she had pan, you know, on, on the ground. She said, my, my bread, I dropped bread and she was crying and she went up to him to touch him. And he's like, get away from me. So his friend backed up and took out his rosary and held it out in front of her. 
So she let out this laugh. And he said, when she laughed, and this is why this is on the Halloween show, when she laughed, the scare, the, the, the sound that came out of her, he said it was like a mixture between a wolf, a pig, and like some sort of like, like an owl hooting. He said it was just unbelievable. And he said that she laughed. And then when he, she turned, he said that the arms were exposed. Her forearm on one of her arms was exposed. And she had scales like a lizard on her arms with weird looking claws. And it was black and almost blue black the way he looked and saw this weird, uh, whatever it was on, on her arm. And so they just kept walking. And he said his friend kept saying the prayer, you know, 12 truths. He was saying this prayer. It's, it's a very popular prayer in Spanish, you know. And he said he was walking. His friend's very, very, it turns out his friend wasn't a bad guy. His friend was a very devout Christian and told him this, 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 this is a demon. And he's like, dude, have you seen this before? And this is the story where it gets really weird. He goes, yes, I have. He goes, every time I ride my bike, I see her. After the first time I saw her, he's like, she came out onto the road. He goes, her feet looked weird. She had three toes. And they, and each in each in the end of each toe, she had she was barefooted. And he said she was standing kind of in a ditch where it was like muddy. He couldn't see her feet, and he said so. Miguel couldn't see her feet, but his friend told him. He said, "Look," he said, "Every time I've seen this woman, there is something weird about her." First time I saw her, she tried to say she needed help because she she had heard one of her children was missing. Tried to lead him into an abandoned building, and he was like, "No, nah, I'm not going in there." And she turned around, and when she laughed, he said it was like a cackle mixed with like a chicken. And he looks down, and she had three toes on each foot, and each toe had like a claw, like a like a nail that looked like a claw. And he said that she began to run at him, and he ran and got on his bike and took off. And then she just laughed, and he goes, "Is she, is she always in the same spot?" Because this is the first day on the job for this guy, right? This guy had been working there. Right, and he said, "Is she always on this trail?" You know, and he said, "Yeah, it's a kind of an off path, off the path, beaten path road that he took." And he said, "She's always there." He goes, "She's always there." He's like, "Now, what you're going to have to do, and this is where it gets really nasty." He says, "Do what you're going to have to do is go home. You're going to have to bathe." He goes, "And you're going to have to dunk your." This is what he told him. He said, "You think I'm crazy?" He said, "I went to to a curandera, and she told me right." And he said what she told him was to dunk his head in the water three times and say the prayer and then say say our father's prayer, right? And then he needed to by by the end of the week he needed to go see the priest. That's what he that's what he was told. And then she said, You need to you need to put olive oil on your head, right? And then she did the the thing with the egg. We all know about that, with the cleansing of the egg. Everybody who's Hispanic and even Tony, you know, the Vietnamese do the same thing, Filipinos do the same thing. The, the Arabs, everybody does the same thing. They, they take the egg and they cleanse you, right? He said the egg was not black. It was red, like blood. And he said he had never heard of that or seen that. And, he, and his bolita told him, she said, that's not good. That's death. And so in that particular region where he's from, that's what that means. He said he only knew one other person that ever had that happen. And it was Anne who got cancer. Funny thing, though, she lived. She didn't die. But what he did, and he said the prayer, and then he said the rosary. And so by the end of the week, you know, he's like, I got to go to the priest, whatever. So he's getting all these notes. He's taking mental notes. And his friend says, that's that that woman. He's like, she's going to, you're going to see her again tomorrow. He's like, ignore her. Don't look at her. Don't talk to her. Just ignore her. But he goes, if you don't do what I told you, he's like, she's going to come to you. She's going to come to you. So then when he gets home. He starts eating. 
He goes, I, and I'm tired. I eat some 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 tacos and I I go to sleep. Oh, he goes, I'm no. not thinking about this craziness. And he goes, I sat there watching the soccer game. He goes, and I and I, and I laid down on, on my at a chair, a nice comfortable recliner. It was my favorite possession, you know. He goes, I got a 23 year old guy. I'm like, I'm a grown man. And he is a pretty stout guy. Like, I met this guy at a boxing gym, so he's not some weenie, you know. And he said, look, he goes, uh, I'm a pretty stout guy. You know that. And he goes, I'm a fighter, you know. I'm not scared of these, this crap. I'm just going to, you know. So he took a nap. He wakes up. It's like 3 in the morning. And he was so tired because they'd been working like 11 hours. And he says, I wake up at 3 in the morning, exactly 3 in the morning. And he hears this cackling noise. This, this is, while we're sitting here talking about this, I'm getting chills in my head, folks. All right? I don't, mm. So he says he wakes up at three in the morning. He hears this cackling noise and he, he wakes up and he's like, what is that? He lives alone. Well, not really, but he, one of his cousins is pretty much as he said, lives, lived with him, but he worked the night shift as a security guard. So he wasn't there. He's like, we were on opposite schedules. He's like, I live in this two, this two bedroom house. You know, the third, the third room was like the people that owned the house was like they had, they were using it like storage or whatever. And so he didn't go into that room. And he said, I hear it stuff moving around, like banging around in the storage room. So he says, he goes, I didn't know what to do. I looked around and I grabbed a hammer. And he goes, and I began to walk into that room. He says, when I go into that room, he's like, something pushes me. He could feel two hands on his back, push him into that room. And this is where it gets really messed up. He says, I turn, I try to turn the light on, and I can't find the light switch. He goes, I'm fumbling around in the dark. I never go in that room. And he says, then, he goes, I hear, like, the door the door slam behind me. He's like, and I hear this noise, like something is going, <sighs> like that. Like, it's breathing. Like, that's exactly how he did it. And so Miguel tells me, he's like, dude, I am alone in the dark holding a hammer and I feel something touch my back and I turned to swing at whatever it was and there was nothing there. It was just cold air. He's like, then I hear the laughter again. He's like, and then I, he goes, I'm scared to death. He goes, and so I close my eyes to pray. When he goes to close his eyes, he sees the woman. And instead, her face, there's a shawl over her face. And he said that when he, when this happened, when, when he saw this shawl that was over her face, um, it was like he was struggling, like he could see it in his mind's eye when he closed you know, his eyes. He began to physically struggle with this being. But he said that this was a female. He could tell it was a female, but it was overpowering him. And the arms felt like they were scales. But he said when he would rub his arms on, on, on the, his hands over the arms, uh, the scales would, were like falling off. He could feel them coming off oh, of it. And there was like this that's disgusting. like wetness underneath there. Like or a something. fish and or something? Yeah, like it was gross. It was like, I thought about it, maybe like leprosy or something. I don't know what it was. But psoriasis. Psoriasis. But, but he, he, he hears this, this screech in his ears and he said it was so bad that he had an instant headache and he fell to his knees and he said, and I began to roll around the ground and I felt this stabbing pain in my side like something had kicked me because it did. He's like, and then I crawled and I crawled and I got to the door and I was trying to open it. He's like, and then he goes, I finally managed to, to, to get the doorknob unlocked, open the door, and this thing is kicking him and it's punching him, like hammer fisting him on his back. He finally gets loose. He, he crawls out because he's so beat up. He can barely stand. His ribs are broken. 
He can barely stand. He crawls into the kitchen. He turns around. He looks and he sees this thing. Like he does, this isn't a woman. This is a thing. He said, and it's leaning over him. And when it talked to him, he said it was like it was breathing like a really hard, raspy voice and was basically telling him, you're going to die like that, you know, and in this in Spanish, you know, and he was just like, he goes, I was stunned. He goes, and I look up at this thing. He goes, and I could see it's kind of blurry, like it, it, the way it moved when it would move, he goes, it would go side to side and then it straddled him and it leaned down over him and he goes, and it was a bluish black color. The whole creature was a bluish black color. And it had like a, t- a tongue that came out that was purple. And he said, dude, this thing was, it was a purple tongue with the fork. And he said, dude, I look up and there's this yellow slitted eyes. And he said that when he reached over, he said, it just, he looked down and this is divine intervention to me. I don't know what else it could have been, but he goes, I see my cousin's St. Christopher pendant underneath the, the cabinet. It was right there. And he goes, he had lost it like a couple of weeks before. And he goes, he's baracho tiresos, you know, like he was baracho, yeah. you know, and like he probably was drunk, you know, and so he dropped it. And so he kept arguing with his brother and he was like, I mean, tiroso, you dropped it. You're lying. You're saying that you didn't drop it, whatever. And then he got mad and he's like, he's like, uh, they said they had a big argument. And, uh, you know, he basically told him, you know, too much cerveza, you know, you, <laughs> you mess up your cecils, your brain. And so they had a big argument and he goes, and he grabs that and he takes it in his hand and he starts to pray. It was a St. Christopher pendant, the traveler's pendant, right? And when this thing leaned down at him, he just like, he didn't know what else to do. So he just stuck it right on its face. And when it did, he goes, it just kind of knocked it out of my hand and moved away. He's like, but it stood there staring at me. And he goes, and then I began to pray. I began to pray in earnest. And he's like, and then he goes, I crawled and I went over to the drawer and I managed to stand up because I don't know how I did it. This thing had broken my lower ribs. I had three broken ribs and I didn't know it at the time because, but there was intense pain. And he said, I stood up and I reached over and I grabbed my rosary. And he said, I started screaming and screaming and screaming in Jesus name, you know, Jesus name. And this thing ran at him again. It was like when it would move, it would go kind of invisible that it would come back like in a physical form. And it began to choke him. It grabbed him and had him up against the wall. And he's not a real tall guy, right? Um, and so he, he's like my age. He was born in 1976. He's a little bit y- uh, younger than me. Um, I think I said earlier that it happened in 1976. That's not true. That's a different story that we're going to tell. But he was born in 1976. The, the other story I was going to tell is 1978. So I got kind of confused. Anyway, he was born in 1976. He's about my age, right? He was a 23-year-old guy. So I would have been 24. So at that time, I, I met him when he was 26. So he was in great shape. He was a fighter, you know, had been fighting for years. I met him actually in Corpus, um, you know, and so years ago. And I, I, this guy gave me this story recently, and he says, I've never told you this story, but I kind of badgered him because we we were talking one day and we were at the gym, and I said, you got to tell me the story. You got to tell me. And so he says, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I said, dude, go check out my show. So about two years after listening to my show enough times, he was like, okay, yeah, I, I know you'll believe me, you know, because a lot of these times people will give you a story. People don't want to believe it. So they, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to turn. He says, I tell you, I'm telling you the absolute truth. This is a true story. This really happened to me. He said, this thing had him off the ground. He goes, it was choking me, dude. And he goes, and with its, one of its thumbnails, it cut into his throat. Oh man, He's got a scar there now on his throat. He's got a scar. And my brother, Scorp, we all, we all know this guy. He's a good friend of ours. I've known Miguel for years. And he he's not a liar. And he said, dude, that's, I asked him one day how he got that scar when we were younger. We were, he was hanging out downtown and it was me and Squid. And he said, hey, how'd you get that? And he told me, him, Loki, everybody. 
And dude, he had that, he said this thumb went nail went into his throat and he goes, dude, it was pressing its finger into my throat. This was a demon, like a straight up demon. He saw little horns on its head and everything. And it was a feminine demon, but it was a demon nonetheless. And he said, then it like its tongue came out and was like flicking it on its face. And he said, it smelled like rotting meat. Like if meat had gone bad, you know, and he's staring it in the eye and he takes that, that, that rosary. Um, he's like, I look down and there's a rosary and he, his mother had put a crucif- a silver crucifix hanging off of it. She had put it on there. It was like a, a like a bracelet with a, with a, with a cross on there. And he wore it to church. He took the, 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 the cross and he took the end of it. And he goes, I just did like a hammer fist in the, in the face and I hit it right in the eye. And when I did, it just started to do that little weird thing where it was kind of vibrating and blinking in and out. And then it just went backwards real fast and out the door backwards. And like, it just like, he goes, dude, it was like a blur, like whoosh, and it was gone. He said the door opened and closed and it was out of there. So he goes to the hospital. He calls his friend. He says, man, I'm in trouble. I'm bleeding real bad. And he had internal bleeding. He was bleeding from his mouth. When when they called the police, they, they gave him a, he gave him a statement. They said that it was some sort of intruder. Well, he goes, technically, this was, he goes, he goes, it yeah, does. it was an intruder. All right. But it wasn't what you think it was. And so whenever he was talking to these three cops, there was this one cop that was older than the other two. And he comes to him and he tells him, he says, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And, and I'm not going to, this is off the record. He goes, was this thing a female demon? He asks him that straight up like a devil. And he says, I believe it was. And he gave that police officer said, give me the description again. And he goes, he goes, well, I've already told you the, the other two guys, whatever. And he goes, okay. Cause he, this guy had come a little bit late. He said, okay. So he goes over there and talks to them and he goes back to him and he says, I know exactly what you're talking about. He knew exactly where it came from. Now the backstory to this creature is very bizarre. It's very creepy and it's been going on for a long time. Apparently, years ago, I'm talking like back when the Spaniards, you know, had were conquering the area, there was a woman that was known to practice brujeria, and she was a like a uh, like a turncoat, I guess you could say. She would take the Indios that would that were basically being worked to death, you know, and she would turn them in to the to the slavers, basically, and tell them, you know, if they, they this guy tried to escape, whatever. And so whenever they would do something like take one of these people or whatever, they would chop off fingers and things like that to keep them in line, right? This is what was told to him. He said that this woman, she was cursed for being like a, a traitor, you know what I mean? And he said that, that, that when she was cursed, she was, ne- she was going to be literally trapped as a woman, the woman that you see, he goes, that's a woman, that's actually a woman. But she's just used as a pawn by this demon. And so there was this witch that was stronger than her. And she basically put a curse on her and attached a demon to this woman. And this woman is going to do this until judgment day. Like she's doomed. That's all she can do. There's never going to be any rest. She's not going to see any peace. And then when she, when it's all said and done, she's going to go to hell. That's the, that's the story. But the the thing is, the other witch that did this to her, she tricked her because she had to accept it, right? She says, I'm going to do something for you that's going to make you more powerful. So she what, instead, she said, do you accept? She said, oh, yeah, go ahead, whatever, do this, do that, you know, whatever. When she did this to her, 
she she basically bonded her to this demon. And that demon is now controlling her, manipulating her, and it uses a a body, the female body, that it wears like a suit. But that woman's soul is still there, attached to it. So it's really, really messed up. So apparently the, the, this demonic spirit is like sort of like an earth elemental. And this thing was attracted to... Now, there's more of these in that area. Now, what I was told by these guys that live there, and I didn't talk to his friend, but I corresponded with him, and he said that there are multiple of these things. Dude. There's not just one. That they And they were from the Aztecs and the Mayans, and, and you know they go back to those. They're, they're like spirits. Now, I'm going to tell you another story that I was given by his friend. His friend gave me a really crazy story. And his friend, his friend's name is David. And he said, he's somebody that he met when he came to the States, you know, when they, and they, his friend's actually a Guatemalan, but same thing. He he lived near Mayan ruins. And when he was a kid, okay, and we'll get back, we'll finish that other story. But what's really creepy is he had a, he had an encounter with something very similar, but it wasn't a woman. It wasn't a female. I'm going to tell you that one, but let me finish this one. So ultimately, the police knew what he was dealing with. So the, the, there was a nurse that he met that day, and this is fortuitous, that became his wife. So something that was bad happened to him. He resisted it, and then something good happened. And he's been with that same woman for as long as I've known him. And, uh, and they're still married today. But uh, he's like, I'll never forget what happened to me. This thing, he goes, these things are real. They can attack you. They can hurt you. They can beat you up. He's like, he's like, I saw it one other time. He goes, when I first came to Texas, he goes, I was living in San Antonio and he goes, and I was standing there with several other people and this being or entity, whatever it was, he goes, I saw it walk into my apartment and he goes, and when I saw it walk into my apartment, he goes, I was getting ready to go into the apartment and I saw it walk in there and I'm like, oh no, what is that? He said he knew immediately that that was this same demon. He saw it from the side. And it just went into his apartment. So he went, he left, and he went to this restaurant where his friend worked. And he said, hey, man, his, his, his friend, Ramon, he said, hey, I need help. There's this thing. And, you know, when he told him the whole story. And uh, so, yeah, he went there, and um, they went back, and they checked the apartment, and they didn't see anything. But that night, that night, he had an attack. Something put pressure on his chest. It sat down on top of him. He said he could tell it was female because he looked up and he saw what he thought were breasts. And this thing put its nasty, scaly hand over his mouth and tried to suffocate him. And he said that he fought and he fought and he fought and he got it off of him. And he said, finally, he goes, I go to the, the priest, to the, to the church there in San Antonio. And he said, the priest told him, this is what you got to do, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, so I did what the, everything the priest said, long story short, we got to get on to the other stories. And it never happened again. That was it. And his his girlfriend, at the time they were boyfriend and girlfriend, she had moved to, or she was living with some friends because they had split up or whatever. And the priest told him this too. It was kind of, he's like, I'm not one to give marital advice. And he goes, and I don't know how this priest knew because I didn't say anything about her. He said, but you need to make her your wife and quit playing around. You know what I mean? You're living in sin, blah, blah, blah. And so he did. A couple of days later, he proposed to her. He went over to her job, kind of romantic, actually. He went over to her job and got down on his knee, gave her flowers, and she told him, "Hi, Miguel, you know, whatever, you know. And he's like, no, nah, no, but I'm trying to help. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be a good person, you know. And she's like, okay. 
And as long as I've ever known him, he's been a nice guy. I've never known him to be a bad guy. But like like a lot of people, he had a past. And when he was young, he was running around being a thug and doing whatever. And when at that time when this thing attacked him, he was not saved. He was not a good Christian. He wasn't going to church. He didn't do anything. Didn't have spiritual protection. Didn't have spiritual protection. And this thing, God was all over him. And he didn't heed the warning of his friend, you know. When his friend told him, hey, this is what you need to do, he's like, I'm not playing around. I'm being serious. He goes, and he goes, I see this thing every day. I, I ignore it. And uh, so anyway, he, he, you know, didn't really believe him at first. He thought it was an actual woman. Now, whether or not what his friend corresponded and told me, whether or not that story's true about there being like a cursed, that's probably a legend. That just de- just evolved into something that's not really. Yeah, I mean, like it's probably like the the, the locals trying to explain exactly what what, what, it, is. what it is they're dealing with. I mean, the, it doesn't doesn't make it any less dangerous, but it, at least there, there's I think there's like some kind of some level of comfort that comes from at least having some kind of explanation. Yeah, and his friend David. Now I'm gonna tell you his story because this goes along with it. Uh, there were two guys, or David and Marcos, and they, and they both claimed that this happened to them at different times. Now they were raised in Guatemala. They were they were they lived in the jungle, like literally out in the jungle. And he said that they were like like a stone's throw away from a a small ruins of a Mayan temple. And, and he's like, where we lived was out in the middle of nowhere. And it's like th- there was this growth that just like had, had swallowed that up. And then one day, after the civil war had ended, a bunch of people came out there and say, we're going to excavate this place. And they looked, but it, everything had been looted, and it was just a shell. He said there were actually people that kept pigs in it, you know, so there was nothing there and it was all tore to pieces or whatever, but he, it had been shelled and everything else. And uh, so anyway, what ended up happening with this guy, his story, and these guys, they all ended up boxing together and they boxed at the same gym I did for at one point. So that's how we all became friends. And and, and I met them, I met a couple of them downtown when they showed up downtown in my, my our club. And so what's crazy about this story is that. Manny, the one guy, okay, that that, I, that introduced me to him, he has a broken nose. Like his nose was like flattened, and I thought he was because he was because of boxing. And he said I broke my nose three times. He goes the first time was not from boxing. What destroyed my nose was this being, this thing, you know, whatever. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes. Well, when I was fifteen years old, he's like, I was walking home from my friend's house. Um, he goes, and I, I got to admit, he goes, I was in love with his sister. So I went over to my friend's house like every day. And it was just to see her. You know, my friend's kind of like, yeah, you're always around. What's up? You know, <laughs> like, which school together? Escuela, whatever, but it's great. Yeah, but you're always here. He goes, but he was more into Maria, his sister, right? So he was walking home one day after being, hanging out with his best friend and his friend's sister. And he says, he goes, I see this, what looks like a native boy. And he says, I don't mean like I'm Indios. I mean like wearing, you know, the garb. Yeah, the garb. Like, and he stared at him. He said he was like, the kid stood up. He goes, he couldn't have been more than maybe my middle younger than me, maybe, maybe 12 or 13. And he said, he paralleled me. And he's like, and I'm walking and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. He goes, and the next thing you know, he backs up. And then I look and he's just gone. Like he vanished into the jungle. And he goes, but then I see this orb, like, which is like a ball of light just kind of floating around. Same thing David told me. David's story was very similar. We're going to talk about both of them at the same time. David had the same thing happen to him. He pulled over on the side of the road. He this him his happened when he was nineteen. He had a car, which is a lot of people didn't have cars, you know. There, and he was fortunate to have a car. 
because he worked for the military at that time. And I say worked for the military. He wasn't a soldier. He had a job for the military or with the military. And he says, dude, I, I get out and I go to, it's in the middle of the night. And he goes, and I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm changing the tire. And I hear these, like the rustling in the reeds on the other side of the road. And I keep looking over and I'm thinking, the heck is that? Now, he had seen something weird before that looked almost like a little uh, gargoyle looking thing. So he thought maybe it's one of these creatures or there's legends of these little people like the Wendy's. And then he says, I turn around and I keep going to do what I'm doing, right? He's like, I feel this stinging pain in my face, like just wham, something just flies up off the ground and hits me in the face. And he goes, and I, my head flies back and I drop the tire tool and I look around, he goes, and I see this, what looks like a a, a Native American uh, local a native, you know, boy, he goes, you, you, people like you only see in like a book, right? He goes, and then this thing starts kicking me. He says, thing, he doesn't call it a person. He said, this thing starts kicking me and I look up and I notice that the eyes were glowing green. It looked just like a, a, a like a child, like, you know, like a, like a young teenager, but he goes, and it was supernaturally strong. And so he goes, I reach over and I grab its legs and try to like pull it off, like knock it off its feet. He goes, and then it just jumps backwards unnaturally and then catches its balance. And then just continues raining punches down upon my face and my head. He's like, eventually he goes, he goes, it just beat the crap out of me. He goes, I got into my car and he goes, and then the car, like, like the jack fails and he like ends up, you know, with, with the axle, you know, and everything, everything's just messed up. It destroys his rotor. Like he's just, he's really upset. So he's just sitting there. He goes, and this thing, this, this kid or whatever he was, was just walking circles around his vehicle and it would punch his glass. And he was just like, he didn't know what to do. He didn't have a gun on him. You know, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm sitting there going like, the only thing I got is some files. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I got nothing to fight this guy. He goes, he goes, and I'm, I'm getting beat up by a kid. He's, I'm a 19 year old, pretty strong guy. He goes, and I'm getting beat up by a child. So back to David's story. Now here's what happened to him that night after he got attacked. This, this was, they said about 12, I know from kilometers to miles, it was 12 miles apart when this, when this happened to these two guys, right? David's story was really Well, it really weird. What happened to him was he went home after seeing this Indian boy, whatever. Later on, they compared notes. Pretty sure it was the same entity, right? He ends up going into uh, his house uh, that night, goes to sleep. But when he first walked in, the first when he walked in the house, he thought that something was off because he heard a whistling noise in his backyard. So he goes and he looks, he doesn't see anything. Now, remember, he was a teenager and his parents weren't there. They had gone to the market. So he was like, when his mom, his brother comes in, like right after him, he was walking the dog. And he said, hey, he goes, you know, mom's making some food. There's some beans on the stove, whatever. And he's like, uh, I got to go to work. You need to be paying attention to that, whatever. And he says, okay. And he goes, and then he goes, I go into the kitchen and I see this white flash. He goes, and then I hear a, a crash and I go in there and that pot of beans is all over the floor. He's like, and I thought instantly my mom's going to think I did this. He goes, I did not do this. He goes, so, so then he goes, I cleaned it all up and I threw it away. And uh, he goes, the dog helped, you know, eat part of it, whatever. He goes, and then all of a sudden I got really, really sleepy. So I went back to my room and I went to sleep. He goes, and I wake up and get this. He's like, it was almost three in the morning. Not quite. He's like, I wake up and there's something moving around in my room. And I look and I'm watching it. He goes, and I'm looking, I'm moving my head to the right. He goes, and I see this thing crouched down. And he goes, and then he goes, so I opened the curtain and by the light of the moon, 
He's like, it was weird. The moon shined right on this thing and you could see it. It was this native child, like sitting there with a, with like with a loincloth, like everything that looked like how the Mayans looked, you know? He goes, I've seen it in, in, in books, you know, like what they look like. He goes, I, I was like sitting there looking at that. And he, so he asked him, you know, what are you doing here? You know, get Dennis. I mean, what, what do you, you know, what's going on? You know, better give me the money to pay for them beans. Yeah. And, and, and then the kid just runs at him and just goes, ah, just runs at him, gets on top of him and just starts beating the crap out of him. Like just punching him, knocked one of his teeth loose, dude. Like this, this kid just beat the, and he was like, I was fighting back, but it wasn't hurting him. And he's like, finally, I reached over and I grabbed a book off of the, off of the nightstand. He goes, and I hit it, hit him with it. And I see the, the pages go flying and I realized that it was the Bible. He's like, and then he's like the next day, like he just starts praying. Like he's just, I mean, he went straight to the priest. He's like, I need help. He said he had to walk like, you know, a few miles in, into town to get, you know, and he's like, and, and the priest came and they, they blessed the house, whatever. And he goes, and then he takes the page from the Bible and it's the passage where it says, I will not fear that which comes in the dark, but it's a page out of the Bible. And, um, it's really messed up, dude. Like he sees that and he says, so he starts praying, right? And he's like, the next day, the very next day, he's like, he, he, once again, he like, he wakes up and he sees this thing in the corner of his room. And when he sits up, he starts saying this prayer that the priest told him to pray. And this thing just turns and backs away into a shadow by the wall and is gone. He never sees it again. So it says here that it is Psalm 91.5, and he goes, this is the page that was out of the Bible, and he says, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Here's what's really creepy about that, and I'm going to tell you this. The next day, when he walks out, and this is is what he told me, he says, I'm not making this up, he goes, the next day I go outside, and I see an arrow, literally. I'm walking out, and I look, and I see right there in my front yard, I see an arrow sideways. He pulls it out. And it's got this old, like, stone-looking, you know, like, piece of, of uh, like, like uh, obsidian glass-looking stone. And he's like, what is that? You know, and he's like, he was just in shock. And so that's that's David's story. And uh, so so h- him and Manny both have told me these really incredible stories. And, um, you know, it was weird. I mean, like, the, the, it, it was something in that region where he was from. And the only thing that they could come up with was there was this native and there was a legend about it because he asked his Walita and she told him, she said, yeah, years ago, there was a boy that was, that was taken by the, the Spaniards um, and he was made into a slave and he refused to submit. So they hung him. But as he was being hung, his mother, who was a witch, put a curse on them. That's the legend. That's the way that, they, like, like you said, Anthony, that's just a way for them to explain this, this crazy stuff. What the real truth is, I have no idea. But that's, you know, so those are those stories. Um, your thoughts? I think the scariest part of the first story was that whenever the guy came home, he was watching a soccer game. 
That really did it for me. Yeah, it's football over oh, there, sir. God. Man, gross. He gets beat up by a demon. That's Disgusting. Just, that's just... Well, no, because it was in Mexico. It I'd, was rather get, I'd rather get beat. <laughs> that was his punishment. I'd rather take a beating than to sit through a soccer game. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to no, say no, that. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I'm not trivializing what, what happened to him. Um, no, I mean, but me seriously, Chris can help you with that right now. I mean, it's not even an issue. Yeah, somehow I doubt that. Oh, wow. Shots fired, bro. But no, uh, so that first story is really freaked me out. Like as you were telling it, I was thinking this lady's got to be like a like some kind of reptilian, like reptoid creature. And well, why I do is believe, it always that? I don't know. Like I don't know. Like why there's this consistent connection between malevolent spiritual beings and having this reptoid appearance. Yeah, when Miguel was telling it's me like there were three serpent. of us It's like there. being a serpent, you know? I mean, if you made me, like, ask me to do quick something off the top of my head, I'll be like, I don't know, maybe hell is hot and these demons are hot, warm-blooded or whatever, so that's why they're all reptiles. Or But, like, honestly, it doesn't make any sense because it's not exactly what I would imagine when I would think of, like, a demon is a reptile. It, it, the horns, the spiked tail, but I would think more of, like, a red uh, satyr or something, you know, like mm. uh, some kind of lizard person that isn't the immediate thing that comes to my head. I think there's all kinds of different beings. Yeah, but I mean, what do you think, Chris? It was like a, a guess, but you know, the serpent in, in Eden. Yeah. You know, I mean, what if their demons are just like, they're not reptiles. Like, you know, you think of like iguanas or something. What if they're like snakes? Okay. You know, you know mean, because they, I mean, snakes got scales too, right? Yeah. So what if the you know the whole reason why everyone thinks or see these theme uh, these things or these demons because what if you know they're just you know uh, snakes in some ways you know I mean well the funny thing about the uh, serpent in in the in the Garden of Eden was that if you read that story it doesn't seem like it started out as a, as a snake because being forced to, to slither uh, slither on the ground was was the punishment for for tempting Eve to to eat of the tree of the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil so what did it look like before if the punishment was was to slither on the ground to slither That's on his a belly really good point yeah you know uh, and it, it could have been something where they mistranslated because they called it like this it, it the, was yeah, I mean, yeah I mean, it is the snake and that's just what like oh that means that it looked like this when obviously they were talking about a creature that had a f original form of whatever yeah. and the, was turned into this i'm going to tell y'all the, the biggest problem with with the bible and people who who scream scriptures and talk about the Bible and do all this other whatever is that they don't know the true translations of the Bible. I, I would hazard to guess most of the people that we've actually been having problems with who are always screaming about the Bible and quoting scripture. I mean, I'm not going to hazard to guess. I'm going to tell you the truth. They don't know the Bible because they're, they're looking at a very limited version of the actual truth that's out there and they're and they're using that and then you can use it for anything you could use that or the quran or any book for anything but what they're doing is they're not even looking at the, the actual translations they're not using the literal translations they're not using um all they're using is the kgv and the kgv is very limited and i don't have a problem with it personally i mean but it's 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 not complete it's not in it's not wrong but i think it's not complete and people have mistranslated it because they're not translating Aramaic and Hebrew because they don't speak it. Um, they don't understand the translations. And so when you start looking at the, at the Bible and looking at, you know, it's it's uh, it could be a very slippery slope into misinterpretation. And so 
the whole Eden story, I have my own thoughts on that from the, the information that we have. There are a lot of books that aren't in the Bible. Yeah. And you're basing all that on basically a council of men that, you know, way back in the 600s that said, hey, we're going to do this. That's not, you know, why did you decide that? Yeah. You know, for everybody else with the, the, in perpetuity. Especially with how education and everything wasn't. Able well, to it's be. not that people were stupid back then. They just that they, they didn't have ready access to information like we do yeah, now. That's, that's probably. I mean, there was I a think big argument about whether Jesus were divine. I think people were probably smarter I back mean, then. If, but if they you just, want to imagine it, it's like trying to rewrite the dictionary, and all your your only reference is like a child's book. I mean, you, you don't yeah, have. They don't the entire, have. They didn't have the. Well, yeah. And in different languages, they'll have multiple words to express different variations of the same idea. Like, for example, in in Greek. I think they have like four different uh, words for, for love, whereas in English we just have love, but in Greek they have a word for like family love, a word for like romantic love, a word for like friendly love. And the, the, the same thing happens when translating from Aramaic directly to, to English, because when, when the Bible in English says the meek shall inherit the earth, in English that word meek, to us it has one meaning. It means like a timid, kind of quiet person. And, and we... we perceive that as like kind of like a weak person, but the word that uh, is used uh, in the original language, which I'm sorry, it's not, it wasn't Aramaic. I think in that particular book, it was uh, Greek. That word was used to refer to war horses. So w what they're referring to is, is people who, who are fighters, who are spiritual, spiritual warriors, but who, who are, have that ferocity in the same sense as a war horse tempered by, by like self-control, by faith, by, by, you know, by faith in God. Yeah. Because you're basing it on English translation. And here's another thing too. And, and to get back on what we were talking about, when one of the stories that was told to us and y'all know Jerome, I mean, he's one of my yeah, friends from Germany. He was there at the gym and we were all with Roger, which is Alex dad. We were there and Willie, Roger, and Willie are gone, but Jerome's still alive. And uh, when they told us a story later on, when Jerome was talking to me about it, because we were at the gym hitting, doing, the, doing mitt work with our ash, actually, and uh, we were doing some mitt work, and we ended up leaving. And uh, it's funny because Roger, whose mother was half Algonquin, so he's like a quarter Algonquin, and he looks very native, too. You can, you can see you what well, he did. You can see it. Him and Jerome and me later on were talking about it, and they, and they said the same thing. All of us said the same thing that, it, that we thought it was going to be some sort of reptilian type creature because it's almost universal. Like Arash said the same thing. Like his dad's Persian from you know from Iran, and he thought this. And later on, me and him talked about it. And he's like, I knew that was what was going to happen. Like he goes, I'm sitting, he's in there talking about it, and that this demonic entity and our friend from Germany thought the same thing. Now these are people from different cultures, you know. Roger, his family, he was raised up as his dad didn't teach him anything Christian, whatever. He learned the Algonquin ways. His mother was half. Her dad was full-blooded Algonquin, you know, so his grandfather was an Algonquin Indian and he raised him a part of his life. So when you look at these people from different cultures, you got a person that's raised as an Algonquin, you person that's, that's German, and then you got a person who's raised in the Persian culture, and they all three thought the same thing, that this is a reptilian. There's got to be something to that going, because I've studied this for a long time, and it always comes up, these reptilian-type creatures. My friend, he was a manager at Golden Corral. He got attacked by something one night when he was closing up his store. 
and uh, he, he this thing literally grabbed him by his shirt and threw him across the room. The, 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 like it was him and another manager. And the other manager, I know, I know the other manager because I worked there briefly when I was a teenager. And that manager had been there for a long time. He's a very real thin, skinny guy. He's always been very skinny. And he's very timid. And he was just like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? I can't help this guy, you know? And what they saw, it was, it was a stormy night. Okay. And then this isn't, it was a dark and stormy night, like me and Lyle Blackburn joke around. No, no, it was a dark and stormy night for real. It was. He's like, and the lights went out. And when they came back on, they saw a black figure, not like a black person. It was like a black reptilian looking figure. And it was feminine. He said it was feminine. It had breasts and it, and it was, you know, nude. Um, but it, it attacked him and it, and it had these weird clawed feet and it ran across the room and then kind of like did this weird bouncy thing and then went through the wall. And he said it was at our restaurant. And he said that the lightning had struck outside and hit like a transformer. And he, they, and then that's when the lights had gone out. He said, but then the lights came back on. And then when that thing disappeared, then the, all the electric power went back out. What's crazy is when the electric company came and they were out there working or whatever, and the storm had died down, they went out there and they were talking. And uh, his his buddy you know, that told this, Chris is the guy's name. It was the manager. This other guy's name is James. And James told him, he's like, you need to go to the hospital. And I've known James for years. And, he, and I've got this story. This was another one I wanted to throw in there about this whole deal. And he tell Chris, he says, you need to go to the hospital. He goes, you look like something, you know, you might have gotten hit your head pretty hard. He said, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go get checked out. So he went to the emergency room. And they said he's got a mild concussion. He was fine. He sent him home, gave him some some pain pills, whatever. They said, I dreamed that night that there was something in there that was dark and it was sitting in the corner of that place. And uh, I remember my stepdad, who was from Monterrey, Mexico, had told me because his brother, he says, you know, my brother works there, you know, and then so he got me a job as a dishwasher. So his hermanos, his brother, told me, hey, you want a job? And I was like, yeah. And so we called him Cookie. That was his nickname, you know, because every time I saw him, he was eating a cookie. It was like, that was his, like, he, every morning he was, like, eating cookies and whatever. So I, we, everybody just called him Cookie. And he was a, he was a short little team. He was he would, the hardest worker ever. He was, like, whistling the whole time he's the, the dishes and, and imagine in a buffet place, right? The dishes piling oh, up. Oh man, I only did it for two weeks. I'm, I'm I can't believe I hung in there for two weeks to get a paycheck. Oh, that sounds like it, a it was Christmas time. I needed money for Christmas, right? And I wanted to get my mom something. I wanted to get her a necklace, and uh, so I, I saved. I worked three jobs that 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 Christmas. I worked there. I worked at Dairy Queen and Lone Star Cafe. So I, I did three jobs, and I was like scheduling it, scheduling it, scheduling it, um, working back to back shifts or whatever. I've always had at least two jobs. Anthony, you know that. Oh, yeah. And, and so it was just, you know, I wanted to get something for my mom for Christmas because um, of, her, of her joy. She had lost her necklace. And so I wanted to replace it. And unfortunately, I didn't get the money together by Christmas. But I, I ended up doing it in January. But the thing is, I remember working there and them talking about El Cucuy. Like there was this freezer where they, nobody wanted to go into because people were grabbed and things would happen there. What's crazy is, I don't know if this is true, but that spot right there where they built that place, it turned out that according to, this is according to a, a, a firefighter told me this story. I was doing security there at those apartments right there by it. And he said that at one time that place was 
there was a fire there and that somebody had died, but that they there was a person that practiced witchcraft. And he's like, I, I worked there as a fire. I worked at that years ago, the firefighter back in the 80s. And he said that when that place burned down, this is what he told me. I don't know if this is true. I don't even look this up or anything. But he said that there, there was a woman that, that died there and that people had heard screeching and howls and stuff from the ruins of that place. And they, 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 they tore it down. And then, you know, 20 years later, they built whatever, you know. But uh, I, I don't know if, the, if there's any validity to that or whatever. Um, but yeah, my friend was a, was a, was a manager there years ago. Um, he isn't managed to work or work there. He's like a night, what do you call that? The crew, what do you call the night manager or whatever? And, uh, and I, I didn't work there when he worked there, you know, I just, you know, but I remember working there and people saying, cause it was a new facility. We were part of the first crew that ever worked at that place. And they were telling us it was haunted. And I was like, what? This place just got built, but you don't know what was there before, you know? Cause it was a vacant lot for a long time. But then there was a firefighter that lived in those apartments and he's like an older guy. And he said, you know, years ago, you know, well, let me see. He told me that it was probably 2009, 10. So if he said 20 years before or 20 years before it got built, which was in 1993 or something. Oh, that would have been in the seventies. then when that happened, when, when that fire took place. So there was a fire there. And this guy told me, and the guy, you know, this this guy told me he was probably in his you know late fifties already, but he said, "Dude, I, there was a fire, and, and there was a woman that, that died there, and people would hear weird stuff, and they suspected arson, I guess, but they never proved anything. So they 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 went, and the people that investigated it, they went there one night. It was a man and a woman, and the woman's hair got pulled by something. So then they go and they build something over it, but something's still there, you know. But this creature that he saw." This black entity, you know, this, you know, like inky black. He said it was, and it was, here's what, what's crazy. Though, like the, the electric company was there when that transformer blew until they fixed it. There was no power coming back on and then going back off. So the lightning strikes, but then the power comes on briefly and they see this creature and then it disappears and the power goes back off. When they try to explain that to the, 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 the people working to try to fix it, they were like, that's that, that's that's not impossible, unless there was some sort of surge. And they said, but this thing was knocked completely out. There's no way that that could have happened. And he said, yeah, it did. And he goes, well, I really doubt that that's possible. He's like, there's a very slim chance that that could have happened. And he's like, but the, it, it would have been connected to some other grid. I mean, he was explaining to him or whatever. And he's like, look, this is what happened. The power went off, and then it came back on, and it went back off. But the electric workers told him that's that couldn't have happened with the way that that was set up now i'm not an electrician my dad is i, I don't talk to him or i could ask him but I, I don't know exactly how that works but i just know that they told him that the, what, what they were trying to tell him happened was impossible so something happened um it's very creepy very scary i don't i don't know um what i would do um well i'd probably do what he did a few weeks later he just quit <laughs> Yeah. He was yeah. like, I needed to finish the job and I went and quit. In fact, I think he moved back to South Texas where you're from. <laughs> um, funny thing is I have, I have, I had two friends named Chris who both worked at the, the two, but two different ones though, two different ones. And, and he, man, I think he might still manage the one Chris was from uh, Raymondville or no, I think he was from, uh, might be Harlingen. I know he, I know he lived in Raymondville for a while, but I think he was from Harlingen. The other guy, he he manages. He's from Westlaco, and he manages the one off of uh, Thirty Five South, 
And I remember going in there one day, and then and we we actually I think me and him talked about that incident. But they knew each other, but they weren't they they were two different people. But that's weird though, right? And and, and like I haven't been into that Golden Corral in years, and then now it's I don't think it's there anymore. The one on Lamar's not there. I don't think. No, I don't think so. I think they moved to the thirty-five, or whatever. But all those those people that worked there had told me, "Oh, this this place is haunted." Um, and I thought, how can a new place be haunted? Well, at the time I was young, I didn't know any better. I was like a teenager. Now I know that stuff's haunted. <laughs> you don't have to be, you know, like whatever. But uh, so that's that story. Those are those stories, folks. You know, I, I don't. You know, when when you when you talk about ghosts and demons. You're just a hop, skip, and a jump away from something really, you know, something happening. Um, I'll end with this one. We'll, we'll tell another one. What time? What is it? Let's see how much time we got here. So we're an hour in, and this is the Halloween show, so we got to do at least another one. We'll give you more time here. Bonus episode. Bonus whatever, because it's Halloween. Um, this one I'll tell you about. This was crazy because I don't know what this one is, and I got to look at my notes real quick to make sure that I'm not getting the dates and everything wrong or whatever. I actually wanted to add something. Uh, no, shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Well, you were talking about like that in the first story, how the 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 wevel, right? Yeah, the wevel. The, the egg that um, <clears throat> when the person like uh, he he's supposed to rub it himself or whatever, and then when he cracked it open, it was red, right? I mean, for my understanding, it's supposed to be like a purplish black. Yeah. You know, and it, it's kind of like when you said that it was red, it makes me wonder. And I was been thinking about it this whole time. It's like, why would it be red? And my thinking is, is like, what if it's like a, that you're, you're wounded kind of a thing? I don't know. I was just something I was just throwing out there. Because I mean, the red thing, this, I've never heard of it. I always hear it's, you know, the black. Yeah, I have. But the, the only, the only. And it's a reversal too. Yeah. The, the only t- culture that I've heard that in was the Philippines. Somebody had told me that they had witnessed a, a, but it was like purplish black, like you said, but in the middle there was blood, like there was red blood. Now, this one here, I, I you know what? I didn't ask him if it was the same thing because Hansel is, is this Filipino guy that gave me that story about the, the egg being like, I mean, it's not a dramatic story. He just said that he was really sick with fever and turned it turned out that the, the egg had blood in it, you know, which meant something in their culture, you know? Um, a belief is a very powerful thing too. You know, I mean, like my friends that are Berber, they're, they're, that's the type of indigenous that, that lived in, in the Levant and they lived in uh, North Africa. They're, they're, they're like the indigenous people. They're not Arabs. The Arabs are actually not indigenous to North Africa. It was during the invasion, the Islamic invasion, where they, 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 they conquered the Berbers and they spread Islam in the 600s. But the, but they but they the Arabs are from the Levant now the the Berber people they're from the North Africa they're they're Saharan African people and one of the things that I remember hearing about was that if there was something that was plaguing you like a jinn or some sort of evil spirit or an elemental because they didn't just believe in they believed that there were different types of things and one of the things they said was that they they would do an egg ceremony and sometimes there would be like black with red splotches in it so i don't know what that is i mean it could be anything you know but uh that, that that's a very scary thought you know um that 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 it, that it meant death you know in a lot of these cultures that if you if that egg doesn't come out black and take all your cleanse off of you whatever 
that it's that it's some sort of death. Now I've never <clears throat> put a lot of stock into it, and in fact, I've rejected people trying to put the egg on me because I don't I don't want that. I don't, I don't want any of that stuff on me. I just don't. I never liked it. You're, uh, you know, Matia used to do it. You know, Anthony. You know. Yeah, I mean, maybe the red signifying death meant more like of like a death to his old life, a death to his old ways. Well, it sounded more like they were going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I thought. I mean, that's, the, you know, but this is... A lot of different other colors that could mean renewal. No, oh, I wouldn't choose red for renewal. Yeah. Red usually means blood and death and... Yeah, that's pretty stuff. much what I thought too, but I don't know. And then also I wanted to talk about like that whole um, reptile back in uh, in the first the first story. I mean, what if the connection for that is something to do with that religion or not the religion, but the gods or deity of that area? I mean, isn't there like a reptilian creature that's like worshipped as a god there? Where at? And uh, in the first story, I believe you, you were mentioning, was it like the Mayan Aztec area? Or in Oaxaca? Yeah, Oaxaca. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, that that area, I, well, that's why I was I, that's why I was asking, isn't there like a, uh, a reptilian being that they worship there? Because I don't know anything in that area. It's I mean, a codal. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, a Kukulkan. Well, it depends. The first story was in, it, that one was in Oaxaca. Yeah, that would be Mayan and Aztec. So, Kukulkan. What if the the reason why that like that lady was cursed because she was ra- ragging, I'm not ragging, uh, we called it um, yeah, I didn't, really, I didn't really buy into that. I think that was just a legend that they told, you know, but that, that's that's how they explain it. But who knows? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? I mean, but- yeah, I understand what his point is, though. It's like, what what is the cultural significance of snakes in there? And maybe that ha- would have been well, the Quetzalcoatl is a dragon, you know, it was like a type of dragon. And then you, because Quetzalcoatl, and then you had Kukulkan. I mean, these are deities, or, you know, um, I do believe that there are, I mean, and they had a lot of gods, and so I can't sit here and talk about that because this is a Halloween show. This is not a show right now to talk about history, but yeah, there are multiple different things going on there. The other one with the native kid that was beating up everybody. I mean, you know, it's like, dude, that's wacky, but that's not, that's not like unheard of. But I'll move on. This this next story, we'll get back to the history and all that, folks. One day we'll do a show again. We'll just talk about the history, and I'll do some Q and A. Um, I could go into history all day long. We could talk about Zyptotec and all these other types of deities. Um, what's his name? Talak, and what is the other one? Uh, Itzlopotli is a sun god. Itzlopotli, yeah, but he's also the god of war and death. Um, and he, because the sun, the sun was the demanded blood. Yeah. So it's a was like, Hey, we got to do this. Um, and then there's another one named, uh, the dog headed one. Zolotl. And he's one. Zolotl? You know, that's it. Is it? That's the right the uh, first name. That, that came to my, my, don't try, my don't head. Don't be trying to trip me up. Like, don't be trying to trip me up, Chris. I know what I'm talking about. I thought it was those little pink salamander Yeah, things. it's a pink salamander, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's. There's an Aztec god named Zolotl. That is the, the the dog-headed god. Look it up. My phone's off. You're thinking of like uh, uh the, the that one cre- the little yeah, but those the, the names of those start with an A. It, it, I, I forgot how to pronounce it or how it's spelled. Oh, but it he's starts about with that an little a. salamander. Yeah, what yeah. is it? The axolotl. Oh, I mean, well, the names are all are all weird. So there's I even mean. there's even a dog called the Zolotl dog. It looks like an Anubis. You see that? Yeah. It says he was commonly depicted as a dog-headed man. It was the, as a guide 
the soul guide for the dead. Now, let, let me let me explain something, folks. Who else is the dog-headed soul god of the dead? Anubis. Yeah. And they look very similar. Now, you tell me, both cultures, the Egyptians, ancient, ancient Literally culture. Literally an ocean apart. Ocean apart. Both have pyramids. One has a straight pyramid, one has a ziggurat. Right? They both have a have a have a, go, have a dog headed deity which leads the souls of the dead to the afterlife. You tell me that that's a coincidence. There's no coincidence there. I don't believe you're coincidence. So when that. you so basically what I'm seeing now though with Chris is that when he listens to my show, or he watches my show, he thinks that I don't know what I'm talking about. No. He's over there going like this, making that face my dad would make when I say something. I had to prove it to him. Really? You better prove this to me because I'm going to keep this face until the end of time. Okay, yeah, whatever, dude. This face means that, you know. I, I don't, don't believe hell shit you're saying. That's what I think of it. I hear what you're saying, but it's just wrong. <laughs> Chris over here doubt me. You, do you think I'm over here spewing bullcrap? <laughs> uh, you know, I got names confused, so, you know. Yeah, he was thinking of that salamander. Axolotl? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if Miguel's busy tomorrow. I'm going to take you to the gym and let him beat you up. Oh, man. I'm going to say, that. this man doesn't believe your story. Yeah, he made fun of you. He called he you an He made fun of you, man. He thinks you're full of crap. And he th- he th- you and Manny are all lying. I'll, I'll tell him and David and Manny. I'll like, get a hold of him. Actually, I can't because Manny's now not. He can't walk, so he won't beat you up. But the other two will. Manny, Manny had a very bad accident, and he's paralyzed from the waist down, so. But anyways, folks, so here's another one before we move on or before we close it out here. This one comes out of Hamburg, Germany, and it kind of follows the same theme, except this one began with alien abduction. And I thought this was very interesting. This guy's name is Eric. One thing that happened to Eric, and Eric's actually, his mother was Swedish and his dad was German. And they met, of all things, on a cruise. Uh, They won. There was like like a, not a show, but like a... You know, you call in or whatever to the radio, or whatever, and then they won, and like both of them had like a, and the one the, the his mother was actually uh, there living in Germany because her, I guess her the his mother's father was a soldier in the military, and her mother was Swedish, and so he was stationed in Germany, and he met this this the Swedish woman when they were there, like doing a. Uh, I guess you want to call it a burlesque show or whatever. So it's pretty interesting. So they run a military base and then his mother or, or his uh, dad, that was the, Ger- the, he's German. So that's the story. So his mother was Swedish and American. And then there was a German, you know, person, whatever. Um, so he's Swedish, American and German, you know, so interesting mix. And I, and I told him that like now he found out too, and the reason I wondered about this because he had a bloodline of this, but it came from his mother's side. Now the mother's uh, dad, who was who was a soldier stationed in Germany, I thought it was interesting because he he believes that he was a French heritage, but there was a bloodline there. And now another thing he found out when he did some research is that his family were Huguenots. Now that's another type of French. It's like a it's a just look it up. I don't have time to go into a whole big old talk about it. We got we got to press for time here. But the Huguenot, I mean, if you if you look at that that bloodline, right? His mother told him that they were actually had been descended from, and this is something very weird. Like you tell your child this, right? That they were actually star seeded people. 
And he's like, what does that mean? He says, well, your bloodline on your dad's side, which is predominantly French, you know, American, whatever, but French, you know, he's like, he looked into his history and he turns out that because his, his mother was interested in genealogy, it turned out that his bloodline goes back to like knights, you know, that were royal, that fought, you know, for uh, France, you know, years ago. And th- there's a story in his family that a, a group of them were out doing like they were on a scouting mission on a party. Um, and it went back to like the, the early, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, something like that. And they saw a burning ball of light. And what ended up happening, they all woke up scattered around a field and their horses were gone and they had to walk back into town. Um, and that supposedly happened. And then, you know, and, and so it was, it was a weird, it was a weird story. And he know he didn't know if he believed it or not, but he knew his grandfather was pretty much a French immigrant, and then he came over there and whatever and blah blah blah. And he married somebody American, so he had something in his bloodline, according to what his that's what his mother told him. Okay, um, that's because her dad, the one that she's talking about, that was American, whatever, he had died. He was before he was born, so she he said, "Your dad, this is what he was." Blah blah blah. His his German dad. Like that that's on his dad's side or whatever. He had been at the Ramstein Air Force Base when there was a big UFO flap. And he claimed to his son one day that he thinks he was abducted because he woke up outside of town in the middle of a field. And there was a big flap that had gone on or something at that time. He said it was weird it was really weird. So that happened in Germany. And so this guy's mother, you know, she had this weird, uh, like obsession almost with like UFOs and abduction and all this stuff. And in fact, the way that she met her husband, which would have been his dad. Okay. Um, was they went on a cruise and they had, and they had met or whatever. And the whole cruise was like themed. Like it was like, oh yeah, like UFO themed. UFO or- themed, yeah. So they were back in the in the seventies, whatever. They were all into it, and they were kind of liberal, hippieish type people. But it's because his Swedish mother, her dad was, you know, had had this weird, whatever. Um, he claims that his bloodline they had been abductees and stuff like that. So that made her like fully believe that she was some sort of star child, or whatever. So he was like, my mother had this whole weird upbringing, believing that, and but to the point where her mother, which would have been his grandmother, was annoyed with her. And she's like, you're obsessed with this crap. This is ridiculous. So she thought, oh, you're just being that way because she didn't like my dad and whatever. And he's like, she's like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, you, you know, so, so the grandmother would tell him, your mom's crazy. He said, and I grew up believing that. I thought my mom's nuts. What is it with all this UFO crap? To the point where my dad was even like, you know, hey, you got to stop with all this, you know. And so they go on this cruise, and then they they get they this whirlwind courtship. They get married, whatever. The, 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 but the relationship was rocky when he was six years old. His parents split up. He ended up living in Hamburg, and his dad ended up moving to like Leipzig or something like that. And so they 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 I think that's what he told me. So they ended up like he would go to visit his dad, whatever. So one day him and his mother are driving to go to be, to be dropped off for the summer to go stay with his dad. This is in Germany. And he says, dude, we're, we're halfway there. He goes, and then the next thing you know, we I wake up and we're on the side of the road. He goes, and my shirt's on backwards. I mean, he was like, at that point, he was like 10 years old. 
He said, I believe that was the first time that I had been abducted. He goes, when I got abducted, it happened again and again and again. He goes, but I never could remember it. He goes, like, you know, you have you sleep. People say they have dreams. He goes, yeah, I, my dreams are of these weird alien type creatures, these tall blue and sometimes gray beings. And even a couple times he saw these weird squatty looking green, fat looking creatures. He's like, I don't know what these are. He goes, I'm having these weird dreams as a kid. Until I was like 16, I thought I was just crazy. I was going to psychiatrists and all that stuff. I kept telling him, look, I'm having dreams. I don't I don't remember my dreams unless it's these weird dreams where I have about these creatures, these aliens. And it's not something now in Germany, it's not like it is here. And it's not like that in any of these other countries, man. Like you guys remember the story, uh, the guy in Portugal that was doing the remodeling and it was like a vampiric looking creature. Yeah. 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 Okay. That guy, he had hell trying to tell people. And they were like, oh, you're on drugs. You're doing drugs. You're doing drugs. That's what they, and they weren't trying to put him away because drugs were legal. <laughs> you know, it's like they were, he was just telling them, no, you're on drugs. You just, that's why you're, you're, you're we're, we're having a whole ra- rash of these things. And he's like, and it's like they're so hard headed. They don't want, and I have a couple friends in Sweden now, same thing. They can't talk about this stuff because nobody wants to hear it because they, they just don't. It's not, and, and we know Phil, he's our friend, Phil. Ask him. You don't talk about this stuff. You don't. Uh, one of my friends over in, in uh, Spain, uh, Bain, Bain, I, I've talked about Bain before. Uh, he was a strongman competitor, but Bain, Bain, you know, he's another one. He was like, uh, he was in Spain, you know, and something happened to his girlfriend, you know, and, and when he was talking about it, people just would just walk away, like literally turn around, turn around and walk away from you. When you start talking about ghosts and a possession and they were just like, whatever, they walked away from him. They don't want to hear it. It's not like it is here where we're doing all this. That's why you don't hear about a bunch of podcasts coming out of Europe. It's not the same like here, you know, like it is now. And like a lot of these countries where the superstition and like in the Latin American countries, I'm going to tell you, that's another thing. They they don't, you're not supposed to talk about it. Anthony, you know, we grew up that way. You talk about it, it, it talks it up. Yeah. I mean, and Chris, I'm sure you know too. I feel like it's different though because it feels like in Europe it's like – don't talk about it because you're crazy. And in Latin America, it's like don't talk about it because it'll come and do something to you. Yeah, yeah it's but it's the same thing. You yeah, know, it's, it's like, like the it, same hush hush, but like different intentions. Well, your mother, she's Vietnamese. She once told me not to talk about it. Yeah, similar to how Latin, it's just like you don't want to invoke it or you don't want to bring it around mm-hmm. or because you can manifest it. If you yeah, they say watch what you say, watch yeah. what you think, watch what you do. Well, here's another one. So, so, so he ends up like he 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 goes for the summer to stay at his dad's, and then everything's fine, everything's normal. That was the first time he ever got abducted. He goes, he goes, I go back home after staying there for the summer. You know, we're in school, whatever's going on. He goes, I start getting these really bad headaches, ringing in my ear. He goes, and that's when the first time I saw it. And then when he said that, I was like, what? What is it? He said the first time I saw it, it was a black. Looked, looked like a two-dimensional being. There was just black, like slim, like like just. He goes, it was like a, a long, skinny rectangle, and it would just appear in the middle of my room, and then it would expand. There was no light or anything like that. It would just be in broad daylight, or if it was at night, you couldn't see it. It just looked like darker than the rest of the room. He goes, and it would expand, and something would come out of it. And I said what do you mean like something would come out of it? You know, like I had to kind of keep pushing to ask because I, I think he, and no offense to him, I, th- I think he thought that I thought he was lying or not being honest, but no, it wasn't that at all. Like he would tell me a part of it and wait for my reaction. And I'm like, look, just tell the story because 
it's no crazier than anything I've heard before, but it is pretty creepy what ended up happening. This thing comes out of that first time he saw it. He goes, dude, I was sitting there and I had just turned 11 over the summer. He's like, and I remember this thing walked, it walked, he says, it, but it, the way it walked, it was like a sideways, it just looked like, he's like, now now I know you can compare it like the way it was built. It was like, if you take one of those flat screen TVs and you were to like slide it sideways out of the out of this rectangle and then turn it and then it's flat, he said, that's what it looked like, but it had legs. There was no head or anything like that. And he said, every time I saw it, it would look more defined, like it was becoming something. And he said, gradually over time, every time I would see this thing, it was becoming more humanoid looking. And then one day he goes, I just saw it going from being like what looked like a two-dimensional being to a three-dimensional being. He's like, and every time I saw it over the years, he goes, it got more and more defined. So by the time when I was 16, almost 17, he says, dude, it had, he's like, have you ever seen the the aliens, he's like, he was talking about the xenomorphs. And I said, yeah. He said, it almost looked kind of like that, but it was like, it was weird looking. It had like little horns on it. And the the head was not shaped like that weird hot dog shape. That was his words, not mine. He called it a bratwurst head. <laughs> it's like, you know, it had that, that hot dog head or whatever. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he said, the mouth and everything was not like that. It just, it didn't have that same head, but it had kind of like, if you took the queen alien or whatever, like that kind of like weird, uh, like a, the way he described it was like if you, if it's a triceratops, yeah, he says like a triceratops on top of its head with the, with the horns, kind of like a shield. Yeah. And then he, he goes, it would move around and I could see the back of its head was like round. And he said, all of this came from something that was appearing in his room that appeared to be two dimensional. And then it morphed over the years into something completely different. When one of these abduction scenarios happened, he says, I saw it sitting in the corner of the room watching me. Get this. This is weird, okay? And it's creepy. But he said that when 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 one of the aliens was like talking to him, he says, calm down, relax, everything's fine. He said, one of the other aliens says, no, something's wrong. And he says, I could, I could, I could read their, their thoughts, their minds. They spoke in another language, but I understood it. And I could read it in my mind. He's like, and then sometimes they would talk to me in German. You know, he spoke German, Swedish, English, and, you know, he, French. He's like, like most Europeans, they speak multiple languages. We can't even speak one. And so he's over there listening to the, them talk. And he said that one of the beings said, Sentinel. And the other one was like, what? And he goes, Sentinel. And then they have turned. And he's like, there's three of these blue looking creatures. And they, were, they, they started to look around the room and this thing which he thought maybe was a part of this whole scenario, scenario, he realized, he goes, it's not. He's like, these, these beings, these aliens are in my room. And he called them aliens. This is his story, not mine. So I'm just going to tell it like he told me. He said that they were looking around the room like they were looking for something. Like there's something there. They know there's something there. And it freaked him out. So then they began to question him. So then they started telling me, he's like, they're like, have you been visited by other beings, whatever? And he told them, yeah, the, the, the gray people that you're with and the weird looking frog people, whatever. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm talking about something else. And so they, they, he remembers this very vividly. He says, they, they told him, they said, give us a mental image of what you've been seeing. And in, in, in like he told them. So he closed his eyes. 
And he's like, and he started to count backwards and he went to like a dream state because that's how they would knock him out, whatever. And he said, I, I showed them, I pointed to the corner of the room. He goes like, I came out of my body and I was like, we were looking at each other. And he goes, I pointed to the corner of the room. He says, just then one of these alien beings turns around and that <clears throat> black creature, this is freaky, jumped on him and immediately like bit into his face. And just killed him. Like, just like, boom, it was over. And the other ones just backed up and they just like backed up into like this light and they were gone. And he said that the one that was laying on the floor, that being just began to like, like eat, basically eat him. Like, you know, and then it was like vibrating. Its hands were vibrating on it and it was like becoming like, a, like goo. And this thing was absorbing it. And he was just terrified. He goes, I'm sitting there. He goes, and then I wake up and it's, it's, it's morning. It's a Saturday morning, you know? And he goes, and I'm sitting there and I'm drooling. I'm just like, I can't even get out of bed. He's like, and I'm sick as a dog. And, and then he goes, and then my mother says that my little sister had had a nightmare that some weird black spidery creature had crawled into her room and had gone under her bed. Now, here's the messed up thing. He's like, his sister started being harassed by this being. So he went to church. Okay. He was Lutheran. And so he went to the church, he talked to, you know, he said, look, what do I need to do? And the clergy told him, you know, you need to pray, we need to do this, we need to do that. And he says, I didn't feel like I got the answers I wanted. He's like, so I went to an, with my friend to the Orthodox church. Now, Anthony, you go to the Orthodox church. Yeah. And so he said, I felt like I, I need to go to the Orthodox church again. So he went to the Catholic church, he went to the Lutheran church, which he was raised Lutheran. And then he went to the Orthodox church. The Orthodox told him, no, 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 you need to put holy water, you need to do all this other stuff, you know, whatever. So he did. He did what he was told. He's like, and one day, this thing walks into the room like like it normally did. He goes, and it told him, it's like, finally, it actually spoke to him, and it says, today you die, I'm hungry. And he's laying there, and he's like, oh, my gosh. And so whenever that happened, he began to say, a prayer in Greek Orthodox that he was given. And the prayer basically was from the Greek Orthodox Bible. And it was basically, it's a prayer that asks you like, like for protection. And he told me the whole, whatever I can't, I don't speak Greek, but uh, I know some of the Greek translations, but I don't speak fluently. You know, this long story short, this light came out of nowhere, like where those aliens had disappeared to. And he sees an angelic being. And this being, he says, dude, I, I, he goes, I thought it was St. Michael. He's like, I looked at it. It was nine feet tall. We had these really big, tall ceilings in that old house. He said it was like a cylindrical thing that was yellow. Then it turned white and it began to vibrate. And then he goes, I see like what looks like an angel. It was blonde hair, angel, very pale skin. He goes, had blue eyes, but it wasn't, didn't have wings or anything like that. And he said this thing had what looked like a sword type thing that came out of its right hand. He's like, it wasn't holding it like it was a hilt or anything like that. He goes, and it literally just pierced that being and lifted it up. And like that thing just began to like dissolve and it turned like white. And then it just kind of scattered to ashes. He's like, and then the thing just went to him and there's like, peace be upon you and just left. That was it. And so... The next day, he says, dude, it was like my whole world had changed. He's like, I never got abducted by anything again. I never had any more, you know, doings, whatever. 
that was the end of it. I never had any more problems. He's like, and I've kept my faith, my devout faith. He goes, I go to the Orthodox Church. I've never stopped. Um, I'm not Orthodox. I mean, you know, but I mean, if you are, that's, that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's fine. But whatever church you go to, make sure that you feel comfortable, you know. But uh, he, he's he's Orthodox, and he was telling me about it. And um, one of the things he said, he 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 prays and he fasts and he does all these different things. And he said, he asked one time, just out of the blue, he just said, he just, you know, he felt moved to ask, to to pray to God, you know, and was like, what, what is this? What was going on here? And he was, it was explained to him sort of like a, um, like, I guess the thought came into his head and he told me this too. He said, I don't know if this is divine or if this is my own thoughts. I don't know if this is real or not. He's like, I feel like it is, but there's no, like, I can't tell you a hundred percent. You know what I mean? But he said, I think that what was going on was there was a residual energy that was being like, that was dropping every time these creatures would come and it, it began to manifest itself with that energy. And it became something that was powerful enough to where it became its own entity and it opened up a doorway like, and brought in like a body, you know what I mean? For him to manifest its energy into that it was like physical you know became a physical being but it was still not physical and of course he has an accent he's like do you understand what i'm saying <laughs> i'm not trying to make fun of a german accent i don't want to butcher it too bad but he says do you, do you understand what i'm saying like it's a physical but it's not a physical it's a manifestation of something that is not completely physical and this is how he talks okay and he says but there's something that is in between. Like this is, and then he told me this. He said, this is what I think a dog man is something like this creature. Okay. And so when he tells me that, and I'm sitting there going like, wow, that's interesting. Because the first thing that he he remembers, like if he went back and I told you how the, the, the cylindrical thing appeared, him and his little sister, and he didn't realize this until years later when he was in his 30s, he said, dude, I'm driving along. I'm with my my younger sister, and we had gone to this place uh, with her boyfriend. I'd taken them, and we had gone to get ice cream, and we were walking around in the park or whatever. They were in Berlin. And he said, it hit both of us at the same time. We saw this black blob of goo just sitting on the floor. He goes, right in front of my room, or right in front of my bed. He goes, and then we look, and we saw it kind of slink under the bed, and then we looked, and it was gone. He's like, so he goes, that actually was the precursor to the to the doorway opening up. Because when he said that, I said, so so you're telling me that something manifested that came off of these aliens, like some sort of energy that became its own entity and then created a body. But I said, but, you know, prior to that, he goes, oh, well, let me tell you. And that's when he told me. He said, we were in Berlin. He goes, and we had this epiphany, you know. He actually didn't know the word epiphany, but he was saying like something hit me. And I said, yeah, like an epiphany. He didn't really know the word, but he said, yeah. And so when we started talking about this in depth, he believes that 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 it was just very simple. There was an angel that came and destroyed it. And he also thinks that it could have been something that played as like a tulpa from the, from the energy from his own mind that it was creating a form that scared him. And he said, when I was a kid, I was terrified of the movie about aliens. And I go, well, what happened with that alien that it was, he goes, it killed it. (laughs) 
I mean, they never came back, you know, after that thing did what it did. You know, that actually kind of makes sense to me because of the fact that the aliens that came, they couldn't sense it, even though it was technically in the room. Mm-hmm. And what makes me think is that it wasn't like physically there. It was connected to him. And it was like, like whatever, he, whenever he saw it, it wasn't something that was actually there. It was just playing in his head and using those emotions to build itself a body until it was eventually able to become something other than then when like when it was fully formed it was able to attack these aliens that came but it was like i was wondering i'm wondering if it like attached itself to him and became like some kind of disease and they were like oh we can't see this disease because you know it's not technically something out here it's all on him so until he shows us this thing we can't see it mm-hmm. so <clears throat> Once oh. they showed it to you know, but but they they also kind of became panicky once they saw what it was because I think they recognized they it. recognized yeah. that it's something that was not good, and then it came I, out. I of wonder the if it is like an alien, some kind of like alien disease. And then, well, I mean, if if you think about it though, these aliens though, like like even in the movie Aliens, mm-hmm. and you know Geiger, I mean the guy that wrote those, you know, the the or did the the drawing the art. I think I think I think he's German. I don't know. You could look that up. I don't know. I think he's actually German too. But what's crazy is like whenever you when, you, when you read about them or you look at them or what they do, they actually parasitize all forms of alien beings. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're literally so, so, like genetic. Uh, yeah. So this, what if this thing is, is literally the inspiration for Geiger? What if it was like, that's the, I mean, I thought that when I was thinking about it and, I, and, I, and, I've, and I've told Nellie this story. So I was not the whole story, but I was telling her, I said, I'm going to save this one for Halloween because she was like, you got to do these different types of stories, whatever. And so I was like, you know what? That 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 definitely needs to be in the Halloween show. And and what you said does make sense when you think about it. I mean, if if you really look at what the creature is, not not the the creature we're talking about right now, but like the xenomorph, it's something that parasitizes people, other than it takes their genetic sample and becomes a creature that has that kind of like similar form. But this thing it, it inhabits let's I'm just totally theoretical here on how this other creature might work the one that uh your friend saw uh if that thing you know parasitized your head and then became whatever monster spawn that you were terrified of and and your your fear and it became that thing then it's, it kind of follows the same kind of sequence i mean it seems that there's a lot more similarities between the two than you would think no i was thinking yeah good what if it's like uh some sort of interdimensional parasite what if it's like, yes. a, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, like. You're both it, on the right track. I th- I think that's on the right track. I don't know. Well, I mean, I was just really throwing out theories. I mean, I have no idea what this thing Me is. Me neither, but I mean, I mean. I mean, was just guessing. You have pretty good theories. I'm just guessing here, and yeah. it just seems like it might be some sort of like parasitic, inter- interdimensional par- par- parasite, something that it feeds off of the energies, but it's not strong enough to take overtake whatever uh, host that it's taking the energy from. Yeah, I, I I read something one time from a Sufi mystic, and I think that it was something me and David Weatherly talked about on the show, and I'll, I'll ask David about it. But it, it was I, I just remember reading. I think it was like in Fate magazine, and then that was like the abbreviated edition version of it. And then I talked. I know I talked to, to David and Nick Redfern about it. But these this is some theory that we'd come up with, and one of the things that I remember. Uh, was this? It was an article about a Sufi mystic that they had interviewed, and he said that there were these archons, right? But there's different kinds, different types, and one of the most dangerous of all the archons 
is one that is created by our own thoughts. And that these these archons that are created by your own thoughts, they are not they don't play by the same rules, they're not bound by a spiritual restriction because and they're very unstable and they can be very nasty because they don't they're not bound by any kind of whatever. They're they're literally a creation from us, not from God. And so it's really like an abomination. And it, they will do anything to, to to gain power and control and to stay there, and so we, by our own like our own will and and, and actions and thoughts or whatever, can create and manifest some of the nastiest things, and they're worse than even the the jinn or, or angels or anything that could possibly be imagined. Like they're 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 that power. They could be that. They can become that powerful, and they can set themselves up as gods and other things. You know, and they're they're really just a creation of ours. Because according to what this guy was saying, we have that life and breath and spark of God. Like I keep saying, he didn't say it in those words, but I know what he's saying is that we are from God. <clears throat> and so God imbued us with the ability to create. You know, that's what we can do. We can create. And so then through creation, though, you can create some really bad things. You can breathe life into something that should not be. Think of a golem, you know, but then it gets out of control and then it goes after the people that created it because what do you want to do? You want to be free. So you turn on the creator. And so I think that we are all guilty of creating things that should not be, whether it's problems in our own life or strife with each other or whatever. I mean, we're dealing with that right now. People that are just created havoc. And then they obfuscate and they say, well, you started this. And then everything that you say, they just they just bounce it back at you. You know, well, no, you did. No, you did it. No, no, you did. They just keep, no matter what you say, no matter how much proof, they just keep saying they have the proof, and and it never ends. But what what comes out of that is something really bad. I mean, it's creating something like that that is a cancer. It's a cancerous creation, and I think maybe there's life will find a way. But I think that these uh, beings, like this creature. Obviously, those aliens had dealt with this kind of thing before because they were like freaked out and in the panicky way that they w- went about dealing with him. I mean, I think that there was something to it. But and, and, and think about it, though. What they know, as opposed to what we know, they probably know a lot more than we do. Um, but th- they they recognize that, okay, and the fact that they were calling it a sentinel, that means like guardian. So what is that? I thought that was odd. And I, and I asked him, I said, are you sure that they were saying it? But in, in you know, he said, no. And they were, they were saying this word and it was in Greek. They were calling it a sentinel. Um, and it was interesting too that they used Greek because they knew that he studied Greek because it was orthodoxy. And I said, dude, this is, this is bizarre. This is a very bizarre case, a very bizarre incident. Um, the guy's pretty, you know, he just has a regular job. He He lives his life. He's not. You know, and since then he hasn't had anything happen. So I'm, I'm pretty sure those other ex- extraterrestrials creatures didn't want to come back to him after dealing with that thing. They probably figured it was on him or around him. Or like, I mean, if it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as you see it run away, obviously they're not going to come back. They're probably just thought that, you know, this one's done for this guy. He let this thing loose and it's, there's nothing we can't help we him. Can, you can't do nothing. Yeah. So, and I, I'm just really interested in the, you know, inner 
galactical policies of all of these beings like what how do they interact yeah, with each other yeah what is the hierarchy what happens mm-hmm. there what if what if, like cuz when i when you first told me the story i thought like oh what if this was a creature that these uh that some of these other aliens go to war with and this is like a entirely hostile creature that you know this is something that they usually try to exterminate and it somehow through one of these abductions uh just latched onto this guy you know maybe it's, it was like a stowaway or you know? something you know and so but they made me realize like what what do they fight what are what do they consider enemies you know or what are their biggest problems or what are they're afraid of and that kind of terrified me when i started di- diving deeper into that kind of a scary thought to think about like mm-hmm. what are the what are what fear uh or what makes the people that you're afraid of afraid of yeah well along those lines i got one more and we we can close it out what what, what time is it let's see because we're going to do a two-hour, well, we got, what, 15 minutes, I guess. Is that correct? I can't move my eyes. Or yeah. Okay, so I can tell this one. Of course, no Halloween would be complete without a dogman story. Along the lines of what you're saying, the folks, and this is not, this isn't perfectly orchestrated, but I kind of planned it this way. But anyway, one story leads into another, and I had you going because you probably thought we were going to quit. No, we're not. And I can't because it's not two hours, and we did say two hours, right? So here we go. What you were talking about, and we were talking about with the, with the, with the black goo. Now we talked about this, the black goo. We've had this on the show. We've had people talk about it, and of course, and even Chris, you know, there are people in the groups and different people have said stuff about this goo, you know, and they've talked about blobs and other things like that. This is another one. Now this one came out of Maryland. This was not, uh, and this person's. Uh, I'm not going to g- give any more details other than the state because this person's family is connected to some people, and they don't. It's not something that I can talk about, but we'll call her Shirley. And what, what happened was, and this is not a really long story, but when she was 12 years old, she threw something away in a trash can and this was completely out of the blue. I mean, it was just, she was cracking eggs to make an omelet. And this was a very simple thing that happened. And so her, her dad comes home while she, now, a 12-year-old is probably not going to be very good at making food. And she wasn't supposed to be messing with the stove. She had an older sister who was – her sister Annette was helping her make whatever. Dad comes home. They're latchkey kids. I know what that's like. Doesn't have time for it. Says, what are you making? We're making omelets. Okay, whatever. And goes – the mom comes home. She's infuriated. Why is it – you know, whatever. So she gives her – and get this. She gives her basically not just a – you know, cussing her out, which is my mom was not a nice person. Her mother beat her, like spanked her really bad, but like to the point where it was excessive. It was excessive. Yes. They had made a big mess in the kitchen and the mother, to me, the way it sounds is the mother was pretty unhinged. And so whenever she spanked her, she went overboard and she says, I remember just, just laying, just sitting there and, and looking down into the trash, getting spanked. It was like a kitchen with an island on it, you know? And she says, well, I'm looking down there in the trash, and I remember, like, my, my tears falling into the trash and hitting the eggshells, and there was, like, this egg yolk there. And get this. This is really weird. It has everything to do with what we were talking about earlier. She says the ne- that, ne- that later that night, she hears something flopping around, bouncing around, like she thought it was a mouse or something, you know? And she said they lived in an old house, and there were mice at times. She would catch them, and it was... You know, typically when it get cold in particular, you know, 
And it was wintertime. So she goes downstairs. She, she's like on the, on the staircase, whatever. Her parents didn't celebrate Christmas, which I thought was really bad because not like Joe was witnesses or whatever, but they were just, they were atheists. They just didn't, they, they don't believe in anything. They didn't do anything. And so she said that she, she goes downstairs and it was Christmas time. And she remembers being sad because they didn't have a Christmas tree. There were no toys. They didn't get anything for Christmas. It was just another day. And so she's like, she's like, I thought, you know, it was a few days before Christmas. I thought maybe it was, she's like, you know, she's embarrassed to tell me. There's a, I thought it was Santa Claus. And I said, well, that's your child. You were a child. You thought that. That's nothing wrong with that at all. But it, it, she was made to feel embarrassed for it, which is sad. Um, very abusive. Her dad was neglectful and her mother was just abusive. So she goes downstairs. And when she gets down to the bottom of the stairs, she sees the trash can kind of moving around. And she walks over there to the trash can. And she looks down and she sees the eggshells, what, what, like what was in the, like the, the, the bit of the yolk that, you know, the, what is it called? The, the egg whites that, that were left inside of the shells, you know, it was like congealing. Now I asked her this question and I said, what, I said, you watched it morph and turn into something? She's like, yes, it absolutely turned into a type of gelatinous blob like goo. Here's what I thought. Immediately when she was telling me this, I thought her tears gave life to whatever this is. That's exactly what I thought. And I was thinking, this is really weird because this gelatinous, like egg-like substance or whatever, she's like, it was bubbling. And she's like, and, and, and that stopped her. And I said, hold on. Now you're going to ask your question and I don't want you to get offended. And Anthony, y'all and Tony, y'all know how to do this works. And I said, look, is there any way you maybe imagined this? You were 12 years old. She says, no, this was not my imagination. Um, kind of a little offended. I, you know, I don't blame you. I, I, I get it. Um, then I called her a stupid ass and I hung up and that was it. No, nah, I'm kidding. I didn't do Not that. That's the no. story ends. Good night, guys. Yep. Good night, folks. Happy Halloween. No, no. What happened was she says, my, I told you I had an older sister. She's like, I screamed and my older sister came down. It was like, you know, three or four in the morning, whatever. Her dad had already gone to work and her mother was getting ready to leave. So she's like, if mom comes down here and hears you, whatever. Then she says, she looks and what they were looking at was no longer a gelatinous blob. It was a black goo, and it had kind of jumped up out of the side of the trash can and was crawling onto the floor. And I said, crawling? She goes, kind of like like moving, like like back and forth. Like if you Inching. take your – she's like, just take your hand and squeeze and go back and forth like that. And so I was like, okay. So she said, she said that, and when, when she did that, I looked at my hand, and I kind of moved my hand back and forth, and I thought, that's kind of – so I put on one of my black gloves. You know, um, and I, I was thinking about it and I was like moving my hand back and forth and I was like, what if that, that's what it looked like? I don't know. I was just trying to imagine it, you know, and she said it was almost spider-like. And then when she said that her sister freaked out, she took a frying pan and tried to hit it. This thing just like shot underneath the uh, counter. And she said, we looked under there and you could see like this sp spun out, almost like a web-like thing. It was like underneath the the sink, underneath the, the dress of the, the drawers of the cabinets, and she's like, so then we thought, you know, we can't leave this thing in the house. She's like, go get mom. So she's like, I don't want to get my mom because mom's going to come out here and start freaking out, whatever. And she's like, so she says so she did. She went upstairs to go get her mother. And she hears her sister Annette scream again. And then her mother's like, what's going on? She's getting ready for work, blow drying her hair, whatever. She runs back down the stairs and she's like, her sister had it on her arm. So then she runs out into the cold, right? And she's like out in the middle of the of the backyard and she's trying to pry this off of her arm. 
And she finally does. And she says she pulls it and she helps and she throws it. And this thing just like disappears into the darkness. They don't know where it went. It was in the backyard. Get this. Okay. They had a dog, a German shepherd. Okay. The next day, the German shepherd was dead. Like it was gone. It was unalived. Uh, laying there they had in the dog house or whatever. They, they, bring, they would bring it inside. When the parents would leave, they would have the dog inside. And then they would clean up and then put the dog back outside because the parents were heartless, didn't care about the dog. The parents were turds. I could just, I'm sorry, but your parents were turds, okay? Um, but the bottom line is that the that this dog was deceased. When they, when they go to try to bury the dog, okay, this black goo was kind of hanging out of its mouth. And so they, they were like, whoa, this is weird. So then they, they go ahead and they just, they notice it's not reacting. There's nothing happening. They take the dog over to their aunt and uncle's house. They, they live down the street from there. I actually would stay with them quite a bit because they were, you know, until they got old enough to be on their own. And their parents really didn't get along with the aunt and uncle because the aunt and uncle would correct them on how they were raising the kids. So the aunt and uncle was like, go ahead. You can bury it in the backyard over here. You know, they had a little bit of a forest back there. So they said a, a little prayer and they, and they buried it. Get this. About a month goes by. And they just were they 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 just had this weird story of this black sludge that came out of a wastebasket. They're sitting there and they're watching TV, and she's like, "It's dead of winter." And the, and their parents are at work, and they look up and they see this dog-headed creature on their deck, looking in the window at them, and it's just staring at them. And when they look over, they thought, "That's our dog," for a split second. And then they stared at it and they're like, no, that's a wolf. Whoa, what is that? So then they see that it's standing up and it's not a dog on its hind legs. It is a man wolf-like type creature that's squatted down and looking in their window, kind of like on its knees. And it was humongous and it was a chocolate color and they looked at it and they thought this is very bizarre, but they didn't get like a, like they weren't, they were scared at first because it's an aberration, you know, not apparition, aberration. And they're looking at this thing and they're like, what are we looking at here? And then they they get freaked out. So they go and they call they go to call the the uncle and tell him, hey, there's something in the backyard, or whatever. And as soon as they went to pick up the phone, this creature, whatever it was, starts to go to the back door and jiggle the doorknob. And they could see the back door being being messed with. And they could see it standing there. There's like a glass on the top or whatever. And it was a wolf-like type creature, and they said that when it, when they saw it, they looked in its eyes, and when it one of its in one of its eyes, his her sister saw it, not the one that told me this, but her sister said that she saw this black what looked like almost like a teardrop come out of its eye and land on the ground, and then she was like, immediately she, her sister Annette told her she's like that is that's the black glue that's the black goo, she's like that's the black goo she's like I just saw it come out of its eye. And it was like trying to communicate with them and it was making this like yelping noise, but it was also talking to them through their minds, whatever. And it was pleading with them to open the door. But then it was also being threatening, like saying, if you don't open this door, I'm going to knock it in. And so then they ran, they ran out of the front door and they ran down the street. And when they look back, they were almost at the end of the block. They see this creature come like literally sliding out onto the snow and the ice and just began to give chase. And it was on two legs and it was down on four legs. And they ran into their, their uh, aunt and uncle's house, like just ran up and started banging on the door or whatever. And it's weird because she said her aunt had like this premonition 
that something dark was there that was trying to chase him and she was asleep. That part of the, the, the story makes me think that she was like maybe astral projecting or something because she was witnessing what was happening to these kids. So she had gone over there to open the door and was ready to go outside and go look for them. She's like, my aunt opens the door. She's got her clothes on. Shirley's like, she's like her and Annette are like, this thing is chasing us. It's down the road. She turns around and she points and it's right there in in the uh, uh, middle of the street. And she says, right then, she's like, she's like out of nowhere. It's almost like a movie. She's like, this vehicle just comes and, sh- and just smacks into this thing. She's like, this thing lays on the ground and it begins to like melt into what looks like a pile of black and it just like turns the the snow and the sludge and everything and it just kind of becomes like a like a mess the person driving the car turned out that they were drunk completely drunk out of their mind and she's like and they they didn't even know what they did their head was on the steering wheel and they were just sitting there like like they're drunk or whatever police were called this person got in trouble for drunk driving didn't didn't even know that they had hit something or somebody and when the police came, there was no trace of anything. It was just like the snow looked really dirty. And that was it. And she's like, dude, that is, I know. She's like, she told me, she's like, I know it's a crazy story. She's like, I don't know if you want to believe me or don't believe me. It's it's up to you. She said that she tried to tell that story to like three different people in the community. And they just laughed at her and thought she was full of crap. And we talked about that earlier. Um, and But th- that that's the thing. I mean, nobody wanted to touch it, you know. But the thing is, you know, she said it like she was very sincere. Nobody wanted to touch it. Nobody wanted to mess with that story because it doesn't fit anybody's parameters or their weird little paradigm or their narrative or whatever they're trying to build. Um, but the truth is the truth. And she she told me, and I don't have any reason to doubt her. And she had a couple other weird paranormal things that happened too, but that's that's for another show. But uh, not not like that, you know, not, nothing like that. And so I asked her this, and I had the question, and we're going to ask you guys this too, and audience at home. Um, what the hell was going on with that? I mean, I don't know, but it reminds me of that one guy who saw, what was it? A pig in the, in the woods. Oh, he came on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it it transformed into like this black goo or this black mass and then transformed from that black mass. It it took on the shape of a man and not just like a, like a naked man, but a fully clothed man and just started walking. He saw that in a swamp, didn't he? I guess I don't. I think I don't it was remember. in the swamp. Yeah, because he, there was a listener of the show that he was in some kind of uh, fishing and hunting field group or something. That guy gave us that story. That wasn't even in a. He wasn't even a paranormal person. Yeah, like he wasn't into any of that stuff. He just gave us that story. We got to find that episode so we can say that was on the live stream. Yeah, yeah, and we've heard these stories so many times of these the black goo, whatever that is. And, and so anyway, this person, she she had somebody, thank goodness, reach out to her and tell her, hey, there's a guy that actually talks about the black goo on his show and he'll retell your story because she wasn't interested in telling the story herself, just a very nervous person. No, I'm not talking bad about you. Trust me, I'm not talking bad about you. I'm saying that you're, you're a, I think you're like what you went through. Um, Rightfully traumatized you. You were traumatized. And you weren't comfortable with speaking about it. And now I'm going to say another thing too. If it wasn't for... Her aunt and uncle and her sister, you know, uh, kind of vouching, you know, I, I would I would have been a little apprehensive if it was just her because maybe the trauma that she had suffered, she was just, you know, who knows what she was doing in her mind. But no, her sister had this happen. Her sister was four years older than her and um, confirmed that this really happened. 
You know, um, so, you know, that, that, that was, uh, and we didn't like have a long conversation or anything, but, uh, I believe that it really happened. And I think, I, I mean, I can't say hundred percent about anything, but I don't think that this was, there was a reason for this person to make this up and, and want to stay anonymous. You know, a lot of times when people want, want, want their name out there too, when they're adamant about it or something, it kind of makes me think, well, maybe they're trying to get something out of it or something. This person was very adamant to not. You know, be you know because of her situation with her dad. Her dad's still alive. Her mother's not. Unfortunately, her mother um, had something very bad happen to her. But uh, sad because she couldn't even like, like there was so much damage done by the mother that it was like I don't know. She did tell me this though. The day that she was crying and the tears were falling into the wastebasket, she said she was cursing her mom. You know. In a way that not like, oh, you, you know, B word or something like that. It was like, she said, I was, I was hoping that something or someone would do something to this person. And it, it was a spiteful, angry thing. And she said, I've, I've thought about it over the years and kind of analyzed it, you know. And she thinks that maybe her tears that fell into the wastebasket, because I thought about that too, spawned something that mixed with the egg, you know, I'm- and created something. I'm wondering, so if we think about how tulpas work, it's a strong amount of belief and emotion, you know, being made to create something randomly somewhere. It's being formed because of you have such strong beliefs and emotions. I wonder if there's such thing as like an emotional or dark emotional tulpa where it's not, it's the same level of like you have such strong emotions, such strong despair, such strong pain. But instead of focusing it on something specific, it's just like wallowing in you. And then in that moment, you kind of spawn a tulpa of goo because it doesn't have a form and it becomes whatever. It just tries to become whatever. But it's not really it's not really a thought process. It's just like this massive amount of despair and a, a massive amount of like dark emotions being pushed forth and making a tulpa without a form. So then this thing tries to create its own form or tries to inhat or, or like steal other people's forms like it did with that uh, dogman. You know, I'm not, who knows what it could really be, but that kind of makes me think of like, maybe it's a, a, a tulpa that was created in that instance because she was such feeling such anger and, and pain and stuff. The only thing I think it's weird about this is that um, she was the one in pain. So why is it that it's, that it go after her? Because it's it's not focused. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't think it was focused on anybody. I, I mean, if, if she was upset because of, of you know the beating from her mother, you'd think that anger and all that resentment and hatred probably would be towards her mother. You'd think that it'll go after the mom. So it's just like, what if? But isn't that how it usually works, though? Some but something that's bad, you know, like it's not going to care. It's going to go, and it's probably going to go after the innocent person. If in 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 my theory, in case it's it doesn't matter because it's it's not it's not directed at that emotion isn't directed at anybody. It's just the emotion of it's it, like you can't just build that emotion by being angry at one person. You know, it has to be a, a massive amount of emotion where like you just feel like your whole life sucks you don't have any moment of joy the only moment of joy you might have is with one other person but you know she has an absentee father who neglected her she had a very abusive uh mother mother 
it, I don't believe that it would have been directed at anybody. I think it was just like she just hated her life. She just I, I don't it was like, all that anger and hate. Yeah, I don't like created. where I'm at right now. So this thing would just be directed wherever, like a scatter bomb, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like like it, a, just, it hits everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, just, it's like a grenade, like not, a pipe bomb. not a bullet. Yeah. What do you think, Anthony? I think it makes sense uh, because whenever these. Uh, Topas are manifested, or 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 what what we believe is manifested from someone's thoughts. These these things are always like just they're extremely volatile and unpredictable. Unstable. Yeah, I mean, the, you really don't know what it is that you're gonna get. I mean, people don't even mean to create these things, so it's like not not only is is it something that we don't understand, but it's it's also it's like it's like the thing that should not be. It's like Frankenstein, but on steroids or something uh, in terms of how uh, how bizarre and how unnatural it is. And you also have to think, too, like what emotions are being put into this thing. You know, if it, if it is a tulpa of emotional, of, of dark emotions, then think about how you act when you have those emotions. You're not in control. You're not making logical decisions. You're not doing things correctly. You're in doing things based on your emotions, which is usually anger, you lash out at anybody. You know, if you have uh, pain, you lash out at yourself. You're just, you're, 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 or if you're, you're disp- uh, in the depressed, you lash out your, at yourself. You know, the, the, those kind of things, you don't really have control about who or where or what you feel those towards. It's just you like- think the egg had, had gave it some sort of, did that help? It might've been like, you know, some kind of, uh, what is it? Um, like an offering maybe but i don't i don't know if maybe it like specifically eggs have and do you think do. that this thing took the form of that dog i think so i think it took over the the dog or you know the dog and, then for, and then and then just probably hibernated yeah. or something for like a month because they said it was like a month or it, it killed the dog to gather strength and went into the woods to find something else or that too and it just ran across but the, 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 the black goo was hanging out of its mouth when they buried it though so did it form that i don't know that's a that's a weird one that's what i'm saying like so does weird. it leave residue goo in it plus, plus when it got hit there was the body just kind of it laid there and just started to kind of dissolve and melt I think I think this is what I honestly think. Though. Okay. I think that, that they might have it might have been trying to eat those girls so they could get stronger and become more. I think so more too. Physical, but become you, more physical. Do you remember when we had uh, big our, our um, cryptids versus cryptids or the cryptid war episode? We had that black goo that fell on that bigfoot, yeah. and it was trying to suffocate him. And the way it was doing that, and then was there was another one with, with the black goo with the. I think it was like a was it a cat man, a man or a dog man or something. I can't it remember. It, it, it was yeah, coughing it, was it up. It was or coughing something. it up. Yeah. yeah, I think what it does, if if it was like trying to envelop it entirely to copy its form, to, and to while also suffocating it, then yeah, you would like you know the dog. A dog is gonna bite at whatever is attacking yeah. it. Yeah. So it would have some of that in its mouth. But like, I think it might have just been like it might cover it entirely, like some kind of pod to copy it. Maybe. Maybe that's when they when they buried it. That's what it did. Mm-hmm. And then it grew and. It dissolved, eventually ate it all, mm-hmm. and then became whatever it is. And the way it moved around like a spider, it, it kind of reminds me, and, and it's funny because as concurrent to this, we have Jerry and Ella, mm-hmm. who were talking about these uh, Bigfoot creatures and dogman creatures, like the, whatever they are, they eat, then they become that, and that's how they got to where they are. Um, I don't know. I, I just, anyways, folks, it's all the time we have for. Th- thank you for tuning in to our Halloween show. 
We, uh, we, we appreciate you listening and thank you for, for being a supporter of Paranormal Roundtable. So we appreciate you. This is our Halloween show. Um, and so we appreciate everything you've, you've done for us and helped us and all the ways that you've helped us. Thank you, Chris, for coming Thanks, up. Chris, for coming on us. and being here with us all weekend. Uh, the thing, the thing I got to say too, you know, is like, I'm sorry we had to start the show off talking about these miscreants that are doing what they're doing. You really, if, if, if you're in the, the, the group and you're just hearing what's going on here and there, bits and pieces, folks, it's not something where we can just block and delete and dot. It, 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 you these can't people, ignore it. You it's, can't ignore it. They've, they've accused us of doing all kinds of outlandish things and they've, Made some ser- pretty serious allegations and claims, and then they they have made hundreds of fake accounts. So it's I hate when people just try to trivialize it and act like it's just something. You think we haven't thought about it? Just trying to. Do you think we'd really care this much? Block if we could and just delete. It? I mean, if it was that simple, gosh, I, that's what we did with first was just. But then it was block, delete, block, delete, block, delete a hundred times, and then you're like, what is going on here? But like Joe from Hellbent Holler said, I mean, it's like they, they could have hundreds of thousands of these accounts. Hundreds or even thousands. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing. Every day I get a new profile of me sending people friend requests and trying to pretend to be me. And it's just like these people don't stop. They don't stop. And and, and it's simple. They don't work. But when you don't work, you have time to do all this craziness. But we do work, and so we have to go. <laughs> Folks, thank you. It's been fun. Happy Halloween. Happy, happy uh, Halloween. Thank you f- so much for tuning in to our Halloween episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I tried to save these. And these guys know that I was pretty excited. I had some pretty creepy stories that I'd gotten throughout the year, and I was like, I'm just going to save them up like I do every year, and uh, I'm going to throw them at you. It's Halloween, folks. Or I'll see you. Good night.